Ha ha! Your moves are so easy to predict. I can block you all day long. I can't understand it. Not a punch or a kick landed, and I threw a dozen of them. I think I see what we need to do. Mix up our moves. Right, left, down, left, right, up, right, left, left, right, down, up, left, right, down. I can do it! I can do this! Right, left, down, left, right, up, down, left, right, down, up, left, right, down! No! No! Stop this! Stop shouting out directions! It's very confusing even to someone like me who knows Kung Fu. I... Uh... Whoa... What's going on? Wow, he was easier to beat than I thought. I never guessed distracting a Kung Fu master would be so easy. Come with me if you want to live. Theorizing that one could travel within their own lifetime, two old RP Gamer staff members stepped into the RPG Backtrack Time Accelerator and vanished. They woke to find themselves trapped in the past, playing and talking about computer and console RPGs from the 80s right up to yesteryear, driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Their only guides on this journey are other staff and players from RPGamer.com who they meet to help record podcasts that only their audience can listen and hear. And so, Phil and Mike find themselves leaping from game to game, striving to put right gaming backlogs gone wrong, and hoping each time that their next recording will be the one that leads them home. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 102, Leartha Latera Legaya. Or Legia? Wait, how do you pronounce that? Legaya okay? I guess so, sure. I don't know how to pronounce it. No, because I really don't feel like I'm doing my job unless I'm slaughtering it. My name is uh, Phil Willis, and this is... Mike Minky. I, I know, I know, Phil. I, I'm sorry, but if nobody knows the proper pronunciation, then how can we tell you the way to screw it up? Yeah, it's kind of a disappointing fact of life. Mm, can't screw it up. How sad. Uh, but to help keep us all straight is our guest tonight, Mr. Nathan. Hello. He... Oh, no. Nathan Slothan, not Nathan Hello. Just Nathan Hello. All right. Hey, that's a new name for you, Nathan Hello. I like that. That's no, really. Nathan Hello Kitty or (laughs) wife likes Hello Kitty. (laughs) I had like a huge, you know, Hello Kitty uh, birthday party for her last time. You know, so you can hear her in the background. She's super excited about. it. She wants another one. Uh, So, what's that? Way to get distracted from our primary topic. Oh, right. I'm sure there are Hello Kitty backtracks out there on the internet somewhere, though. For all the people who just can't get enough Hello Kitty talk, we don't know where to go, but you'll find a way. So, uh, today we're talking about some uh, Legend of Gaia games or something along those lines. And I've got something positive to say about these games. Hopefully you guys do, too. 
We shall see. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a, a brief break. Hey, do you have something positive to say? Or are you going to keep us in suspense? Well, yeah. Yeah, we have to wait till oh, okay. we officially take our break and play some music and introduce the game, and then we get into the positives and negatives. But I not played these two games. I'm leaving the microphone mostly to you two tonight until we get to the final lap. Um, but I, I will start off by saying something positive about this game, just from what little tiny bit I know about it. And I'm going to keep you all in suspense until you listen to these commercial messages. And we have returned. We're ready to talk about Legend of Lagaya, developed by Control. <laughs> what the hell? Who the hell is Control? Contrail? Uh, Contrail, yes. I'm sorry. My glass is a little foggy tonight. Published by Sony Computer Entertainment, who apparently has some low standard. Um, this was uh, released in North America on the PlayStation. March 17th, 1999, a single-player RPG experience coming to you one exciting CD-ROM and um yeah. ah but don't forget even though it is on one CD-ROM it comes in one of those big fat CD cases because those are far more impressive on the shelf well yeah absolutely and they're much harder can't to replace a, yeah can't be a proper RP, PS1 RPG without those giant cases for who knows what reason mm. some of them did it I don't know why so the positive thing that I see just doing a quick search on uh, on our good friends at Wikipedia, where everything is completely 100% accurate, and <laughs> looking looking at the artwork that they have on there, which is always 100% completely legitimate, uh, I'm happy to report that this is an early uh, PlayStation RPG where the person has a face with with actually a <laughs> nose and a mouth, which is a bonus. This is true. Just saying. I still haven't got those faceless people out of my mind. <laughs> well, sorry to inflict that upon you. Yes. You've been traumatized. It has been, I, I didn't even play that faceless game, but after Mike made me talk about it on Backtrack, I'm just, I, I was just thankful when I pulled up the screenshots of this that I actually saw people with eyes, nose, and a mouth. I, I have to say, if these screenshots are accurate, actually, for an early PlayStation 1 game, these models are actually pretty decent looking. How early, though, is a 1999 release? Oh, let me see. Uh, it came out in, what, 97? Oh, I guess you're right. It isn't too early. Because it came out, what, 97, I want to say? PlayStation 1? Let's Google that real fast on our good No, it, in Japan, it came out in 94. Oh, really? PlayStation? Its U.S. release was in 95. PlayStation 1? Oh, my God, I'm old. Yeah. Holy cow. It, what is it? The first Kingsfield that stayed in Japan? That came out in 1994 for the PlayStation 1. Oh, introduced night. Oh, good grief, I'm old. Yet there's still SNES games released in 1999. I was about, that's what I was thinking was that I was still buying SNES games. I remember, you know, what years I was working, which jobs. and. Well, of course. Nintendo couldn't very well stop production before the N64 was out. And then when the N64 came out, it had all of two games. So obviously the Super Nintendo was a better bet for a long time. All right. Well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand the microphone over to you two capable gentlemen. Please tell us more about this exciting, beautiful game with faces. <laughs> well, yes, we can agree. 
it has faces for the characters. Indeed, it has faces. So that automatically have expressive for a PS1 character. That automatically means yeah. That automatically means it's a great game because I mean I played Final Fantasy VII and they only had like eyeballs. <laughs> so awesome, Cookie. Tell us about this awesome game. Uh, okay. okay. Well, as long as we're on the visuals, just briefly, I would like to give it a positive note and say that every different thing you equip to your characters looks different in battle. That's cool. Yeah, on, only in battle. This is the first game I ever saw with the whole uh, your armor is reflected in your uh, battle appearance and such. Uh, I'll give props to that. It's a cool touch. I really liked it back then, and I still kind of like it, I guess. So, yeah, I, I it's, noticed it's it. so much more it, common now, but back then... It's, it's not like, done by everybody, even not even close. Yeah. Uh, although we, you know, since we went down the visual path, let's get this out of the way. It's not a game that people who are scared of PS1 polygons are going to flock to, I think. Yeah, it's a PS1 polygon game. It's not a bad one at all. It looks better in battle than outside, but it's still, it's beware sharp edges. Yes, and though your equipment does make a definite difference in battle with how you look, uh... Just be prepared for the polygons to assault your eyes with their jagged edges. Yeah. So, now that we've gotten that disclaimer out of the way... Yeah, yeah, too bad. It's there. Um, Let's see. Well, I guess we could start with the setup. Yeah, setup. Basically, in the very beginning, you are Vaughn, the young... Thank you! I could not remember his name until now. I had to look it up on GameFAQs. I could not remember anyone's name, so I just looked them all up. Well, Vaughn... He is a silent protagonist, so you will not remember what he says. Because he says nothing. Well, I guess you do dialogue choices you can select from him. There's that, but I don't really count those as dialogue because... Eh, they don't matter much. Yeah. And, yeah, it's not like any kind of fancy talking trees or anything. It's just, you know, occasionally you get to say something. So it's only matters fun. Really- He's yeah. in a town that I don't remember the name of. It's- this world has a problem with the mist. Yep, the entire world is covered in fog, and the hero lives in this, like, one little isolated town which built a giant wall around it to keep the fog away. Well, it's kind of got the ocean on one side, which is free of the fog, but on the land side, all wall. And And people go out during the day to do whatever they need to do, hunt and stuff. Hunt food while the fog is thin, and then retreat back behind the walls at night when the fog is bad. Why? Because the fog is full of monsters. I think it's like it's not just the fog is full of monsters for no good reason, like it's other games. There's actually kind of an interesting reason to this. See, this world is filled with these, for lack of a better word, things called Seru. Yeah, Seru. That's it. Seru. They're well, basically in in their normal state, they seem seem like an inanimate object, I guess. However, people can fuse them into their bodies to get powerful effects, mostly like super strength is the I guess the most common thing. Hang on, this is like the central part of their culture, really. It's like their main weapon forms, the weapons they use, and they build their fighting styles around it and such, is equipping Seru to gain strength to fight their enemies. The yes, problem is that when this... And each culture that you will visit uses Seru in a different way. I remember one that uses a gigantic Seru to move uh, kind of like those cable cars that go up, that travel in the mountains, mm-hmm. and it goes all the way across the ocean. That is one big thing. Yeah. And all kinds of other things. And there's occasional, there's occasional groups of people who've sworn off using Seru, but there's a reason for that, because whenever the mist touches the, the Seru, it comes alive and becomes a monster. 
and then it takes over things and possesses them and turns people into zombies from normal animals into monsters and generally civilization has been destroyed because of this the mist yeah this is a, this is a recent development uh, what was it 10 years prior that yeah, the mist came out yeah just covered the world and civilization was basically destroyed and yeah people caught in the mist if they had a seru they became some kind of zombie that just wanders they, they around. Don't, they don't rot or anything. They just, you know, lose their mind and kind of wander well, around. Well, yeah, just in the sense of having no mind anymore and wandering around aimlessly. Yeah. Although if you if you get in the way, they could prove violent. Yeah, they can attack you. And people without Seru, well, the mist is toxic. <laughs> I forgot that part, actually. But Well, yeah, it's just... It, it's a bad thing overall, this mist. Thing is, though, the mist is not what we would call a naturally generated phenomenon of the environment. It's being nope. produced by generators throughout the world. Yep. And if you can shut and those things down, then you can free parts of the world from the mist. However, getting to the generators is not easy directly, because even approaching them is mist so thick that, well, even people with protection can't get through close to it. But, well, we can jump ahead a little bit. The first problem is that, you know, this nice town, it's, okay, the world's gone to hell, but this town is okay, until one day, some gigantic Seru the size of the town itself decides to shoot a giant energy beam out of its mouth and blow a hole in the wall. The mist comes pouring in. Town is Vaughn, Vaughn steps out to do whatever he can, because, you know, he's a plucky young lad, and Galdurna, he's got to look strong in front of his girlfriend. And then, um, what's his face? The guy with the name starting with Z, who is just a minion of the ultimate baddies, but he shows up, talks smack, and does something to make Vaughn out to be a complete weakling. And yeah, then, it's not hard because Vaughn is a complete weakling at that point. He is. And then the town is in bad straits until... When a voice reaches out to Vaughn. And he's voice. basically chosen by the, the raw Seru meta. Um, well... Long story short, the raw Seru are special Seru. They're much smarter, they're much more powerful, and they're nice and helpful. They this... sure are. Oh, and yep. Meta actually talks, so in a yep. sense, basically... Meta talks in, in place of Vaughn. Yeah, whenever he talks, there's kind of a red glow around Vaughn, but anyways, he just kind of descends down and attaches himself to Vaughn's right arm, arm kind of taking on the form of a bracelet, even though it's actually fused into his body. And together with his newfound bracelet, Vaughn punches all the enemy Seru to death. And kicks. So and kicks. Yes, this is important. And, and so begins this long, arduous journey of doing lots of punching and kicking and slashing all the Seru to death. And all with the, the occasional and all the magic spell from Meta. Yeah, well, Meta, uh, Meta can absorb enemy Seru and turn them into its own, I guess, Pokeminions, and yeah, send them out of attack spells, which is kind of cool mechanic, actually. It is. It's a little annoying in that Since you can't you so can't just happens. kill them by any means. You have to punch and kick them to death, and then there's a chance that if you're killing something this character has never killed, this character does not know a spell from, you will get that spell. But it's only a chance. Yeah, it's either really grindy or just making use of what you've got. So, but so there is one spell that you want to make sure all three characters have, and several. Uh, several progressions of it, and that is the healing spell. You yeah, want that. Kind of you want healing spells. Pretty bad. Because items are just not going to cut it. No. Fortunately, you don't need attack spells too much, considering the characters are pretty darn good at attacking on their own. They are. It is occasionally nice to have an attack spell that's good enough to wipe out everything in one shot, but most of them you need to practice with quite a bit, because, in a, in a mechanic I kind of like, as you use your spells, they get better. And also, it's worth even if you don't get any attack spells at all in a very, very long game, 
you're going to get the, your own Ross Seru attack spell. So you get to see the true forms of these little gem bracelets that attach themselves to your characters and see they're gigantic, super-armored warriors that destroy everything in a way that makes Final Fantasy VII's look envious sometimes. I forgot about that, just because I rarely used them. And that's just because, well, here's another proviso. Coming to it in 2013, I enjoyed the game, but... All those little load times that you could accept easily back in 1999, they're not so easy to accept anymore. And uh, Especially for spells in battle, you're going to have <laughs> load times. Uh, are load times ever acceptable? Were they ever acceptable? I don't know. Well, there's. But, it's better than some things. Yeah, <laughs> like, this, you know, things like back then you didn't have any choice to the load times for PS1 games. These days you have a few choices, so it gets yeah. harder. So just be prepared for that. You will be waiting frequently as it takes five, six seconds to load a battle and another five, six seconds to get out of the battle and five, six seconds every time somebody's executed a move. Yeah. but So a little patience is necessary, sadly. Yeah. Anyways, to continue with the story, I guess Vaughn has been chosen by the Rossero meta, and so he begins his great journey, the important part of which is they're scattered throughout the world, including right in the center of his own hometown, are these weird green, this vibrant green trees. They're all kind of withered up, but they're supposed to be vibrant. Were they world the power- trees, soul trees? I can't remember what they were called. I can't remember. Trees. But, but when you revive them, using the Rosseru's power, uh, they fight back against the mist. They create these giant waves of light, and the mist is kicked away from a region, and everyone's happy and free from the mist, and all the Rosseru go away, which is Kind of, I mean, all the normal Seru go away, which is kind of a problem considering when the trees clear up, all the Seru you can fight to recruit to gain magic vanish, which is a little bit of a problem if you haven't got, got the magic you wanted. But that's why you need to get it when it shows up. Yeah, and that's why certain enemies like show up later in the game just in stronger forms. <laughs> yeah. Well, on a, he goes on, naturally this leads to a giant journey where he keeps going through these er- different areas, finding trees, rescuing towns... Nouns fighting off the mist generators, and early on he gets two acquaintances, which are kind of interesting, fun characters. Uh, like the first Vaughn one, and actually, you you switch perspective to learn about her solo for a little while, which is yep. interesting. Mm-hmm. Noah, the girl who was literally raised by wolves. <laughs> okay, with the cat. <laughs> well, yeah, with the caveat, this wolf is actually the Arasaru who possessed a wolf in order to raise her, but she's still raised by a wolf, and she acts like it. She has no idea what civilization is. She has no idea what basic human shame or modesty are. She, she does the most goofiest things the randomest times. And, and she's, also she's also about 11, I think. Something like that. And she's also a freakishly good warrior. She is. She's fast. That's really important. Yep. And she gets some great moves early on. She's seriously like my favorite attacker in the game. She's just really good. And that and our other character is Gallum? Is that his name? Gala. Thank you. Gala. He's... Well, the kind of stoic warrior monk who's been trained in a monastery, learning how to beat it down Seru with his fists without needing to rely on Seru. Um, until he has no choice. <laughs> until he has no choice, at which point he gets a raw Seru, which is awesome. I can't remember the name of those, of their Serus. Um, uh, Meta's fire, it's... Yeah, Gala's is lightning, I think. Yeah, Gala's lightning, Noah's um, wind. Noah's, I can't yeah. remember the name of their... Oh, well. Oh, well, yeah. Unfortunately, that's the only friendly roster you can actually use, since these are your only three party members. No party member changing or anything. Just three, three skilled martial artists who use their server to beat down their opponents with their fists. And, well, occasional other weapons. Yeah, they can't equip swords, other weapons. They're really small ones. What? 
And I think Noah equips uh, knuckles or something like that. Yeah, knuckles or claws. And she actually has a roster on her hand rather than her wrist. And so it kind of looks like a claw itself. And Gala can use a number of things, but I think he's best with clubs. Yeah, something like that. Of course, it's hard to tell if I actually use these weapons because most of attacks just like punches and kicks. And they have a lot of. We'll get into the battle system later, but. Yeah, because it's, it's different. Yeah, it's very unique. And in terms of, there's only like two other major characters, I guess, really worth mentioning at the moment. The well, I guess Songi is one of them. Yep, Songi is definitely one of them. He's Gala's former kind of friend, rival guy who trained at the same monastery as him, but he hated Gala's guts. They kind of get off bad, and so Songi decides to well, join up with the enemies, and he's given in a, in a Sim Seru, which is an artificial Seru, which is created by taking a raw... His one's actually created from a raw Seru egg, which has been modified into a super weapon for him, which... It's actually pretty crazy powerful because of that. And he starts yeah. off as this rival guy, but eventually he eclipses most of the main villains as the main enemy you have to fight for a lot of things. He just keeps coming back, and he's always hard as hell. Yes, he is. That is one thing about the bosses in Ligaea. They, they will not let you win easily. No, they will not. Uh, oh, Songi. At one point in the game... This is fairly late, but you're getting flashbacks to things that your characters remember. And the flashback of Gala to when Songi and he were both training together is just hilarious because Songi makes absolutely no pretense of acting nice. He's such a transparently evil guy, even then. Yeah, he really is. He's just, I am evil. I hate everything kind of guy. He tries how, to... are you, how are you so good? I don't feel like training, but don't darn it. I should be better than you because I can. Yeah. And let's see, our central villain would be... Court. No, no, who is Noah's older brother, as it turns out. Yep, uh, he's uh, Noah, despite being raised by wolves, is actually a princess. Who would have thunk it? Taken uh, away by her Rosero when but a baby to prevent yeah, her being because, taken by the mist. Because her brother caused the entire city she was in to be completely eaten by Seru, to a giant clam Seru. The kind of messed up thing that's creating all the mist. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's good that she got away. Babies don't handle mist well. Yeah. And it is kind of cute late in the game when you get to that point and get to go back in time somehow. I can't believe we actually had to go back in time so that she could see her parents. Yeah, and see how everything played out. And see the court. You know, he's the main villain who caused everything, but he's actually kind of caused because he was possessed by an evil Rossero fragment or something that caused a lot of this thing to all stampede out of control. Yeah, he seems kind of haughty and arrogant before there's yeah, a mist malfunction, but he doesn't seem evil until. He's not really evil. Point. He's just kind of like desperate with like, good intentions, but making, making a few mistakes. And, and then he gets possessed by a horrible evil thing, and that, things just go south. Yeah, and then we have to wail the tar at him at the end. Yeah, after he fuses with the, with the giant juggernaut, sir. The thing that blew down the walls of the city at the very beginning, which is this giant super weapon thing that... It's kind of like an... I don't know how to describe it. A big, ugly dog, I guess. That, you know, that, turns that fits. That fits. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. There are, there are a number of gallery villains along the way, most of whom just show up, they say a few lines, you beat the crap out of them, and then they die. Yeah, that's what I'm really. What's the 
was <clears throat> that was the older man in the casino, the gambling focused town. Yeah, and which is kind of a fun town. Giant towers and arcades and comedy clubs and other such things. A weird, fun place. It was. Uh, I I want to give the game lots of praise here for making each location distinct. As you go around the world, you will never feel like, oh, I've been here and done this. It always feels like you're going to a different spot that is is separate enough in its identity that it feels like a unique world, well-developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and speaking of the gambling town, that is where you can play the arcade fighting game, which is... Baka Fighter. Yes, which has one of the most... Uh, interesting theme songs I remember just because it really, really sounds like it would be playing in a fighting game in something from the late 90s, and because you should download a move list of what all your opponents are going to do in that game if you want to rack up credits, because they always do exactly the same thing, and if you move in precisely the same way, you will beat them. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly the best fighting AI ever. <laughs> no, but I got to a point where apparently the move list I was looking at wasn't quite right. So I kept losing, so I just had to keep going up to about the point where the Minotaur guy shows up and I beat the crap out of him and um, then stop, cash out. Because <laughs> otherwise you lose it all. Yeah. There's you know, also stuff like Fishing Minigame, I think I recall, that I was really bad at or just too lazy to get into. Or it just wasn't Breath of Fire fun fishing. It's just, I'm not sure what. But I remember, like, I know you can get a Rosteru spell if you go to this Fishing Minigame, but I don't want to kind of feeling. I don't think I tried fishing because I, I, at this point I had spent like 45 minutes with the stupid fighting game, which, <laughs> which doesn't sound like that much until you realize that I was fighting the same eight things in a row about a dozen times. <laughs> so I was sick of mini games at that point. Yeah, this game has mini games. They're not, I don't know, they're not the most fun and exciting mini games you'll ever see, but they're there. We appreciate the thought. Throw in mini games. You're back. Let's see here. Well, oh, oh yes, I. There is a wonderful, wonderful moment in the story. I'm sure you remember Nathan when you're fighting in the 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 floating castle or whatever it's called, and there's a timer before you can get out. And then when you do get out, I don't remember exactly how the thing falls right into a lake and doesn't cause any waves whatsoever, even though it was the size of a mountain. <laughs> I actually don't remember this, but it's oh, okay. been so long. <laughs> It's last yeah, sorry, it's been a long third of the game or so, right before you go to whatever Noah and Court's homeland is. And, uh, yeah, there's this lady who, I forget her name, she just spouted off about, But Prince Court, I thought you loved me! Is this the place and, where they're trying to make manufactured juggernauts? I don't think so. It's just, for a while you've been seeing this floating castle in the air, and you haven't been able to do anything about it, it's just been there, annoying you with its omnipresence, and then finally you're able to get on the thing. You wail the crap out of this lady. Uh, I think Songi shows up and mocks her for being a weakling and then lets her die, and the thing sets off a self-destruct, which gives you either 10 or 15 minutes to get out, and then when not you do... Best thing to do with load times? Well, at least it does not count down during load times. That is yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> that's indeed good. But it does count down during random battles, so you better not stop to fight much. Yeah, make sure to punch as fast as you can possibly punch. Um, anyway, you get out, the thing, the floating castle the size of a mountain falls into a lake and does no damage whatsoever. The, the local fauna is just fine from the tidal wave, no doubt, spewed when a mountain fell into that lake. 
Mm. I just remember it being silly. Okay. This game has a lot of silliness. It, it does. It's like, if you're expecting deadpan serious all the time, don't get this game. Because this is actually more fun than that. Well, let's see. Mm. I don't remember I, any other major story. But it's got stories. faces. <laughs> well, we covered that already, Phil. Aww. Okay, I guess I guess it's time to talk about how you fight in this game. Because we've been hinting at it. Mm-hmm. You fight. Chop sock. You fight with faces. Nope, you fight with directions. Right, directions. I like directions. They get me places. It's like, you know, you know, in the fighting game, you get the special attack by going left, like down, down, right, right. Oh yeah, play uh, Mortal well, Kombat all the time. Yeah, well, this is well, like down, right, left, down, up. That's an attack. Probably, I can't remember if that actually is an attack or not, but I mean, that's the kind of thing that is an attack. Whatever you yeah, get. You string a bunch of different motions into one attack, and some of those motions will produce special moves, and you can string special moves together by using the last couple motions of one to start another, and you get more motions as you level up, so that you can make longer attack strings, and once you've pressed your heart out, then away goes your character, whack, zap, crash, boom, kick. Yep. So and you, you have the choice of either going with what the computer selects for your motions, or you can choose them yourself. Going with the computer selects is usually not bad, but not optimal, but you can go with your selecting yourself and string multiple combo attacks together, so if you hit, like, a certain move which requires, like, going left, down, up, you can then change that into another move which goes up, right, left, so they've shared the same up, so you can get two, three combo attacks, special attacks, into one five combo chain. Yep, yep, yep. And the, the computer selections are good enough that you can probably breeze through most random fights, assuming you pay some attention, because the enemies are not necessarily gentle, and they are quite capable of hurting you. There's also things that, you know, these different directions aren't random. Like, left is your left hand, right is your right hand, up is a high kick, down is a low kick. So if you've got good boosts, you want to focus on kicks. If you've got a good, good right-hand weapon, which, if, except for Noah's your Ross Zero, she's left-handed. It, your offhand is your weapon, so and so. Yeah, oh. and there are there are a number of enemies that float, which means if you try low kicking them, you're in for a world of disappointment. And if there's something, if there's enemies that are short, so you try high kicking them, you're going to go right over their head. And many enemies are smart enough that if you try just the same direction over and over again, they might start blocking you. So you need to mix it up. There's also a couple different types of attack. There's in addition, there's normal arts, which are attacks which. You hit a bunch of times in a kind of extra special move, which are the normal ones. There's also hyper arts, which you use the power of Seru to turn an entire combat string into one big, big elemental barrage, and various other moves. Like I, I think this game only has those two. Later, the next game introduces a few more, but yeah, they play a bit differently and are pretty powerful. You don't have many hyper arts. Are determined by what do they call it? Energy. There's a gauge that goes up to 100 percent. You charge it by landing regular moves, and you detract from it by using your hyper arts. Yeah, that sounds about right. Also, this game's kind of interesting that you have, you can only put so many moves with your attacks at once, but if you defend, you can increase that size of that gauge in your next barrage of attacks. So you can get extra defense and get a powerful attack between defense and of posture, which is really important for boss fights. It is, yes. It requires a little bit of guesswork because the bosses aren't necessarily nice enough to telegraph, here's my big move that's going to blast you to bits, but they usually go by a standard pattern which you can attempt to predict and defend when the nasty, nasty move is about to hit you and kill you. 
Um, yeah, that's most of the combat in a nutshell. It's really fun. I really like this combat system. It's much more interactive and exciting than most. I did too. Just with that caveat of the there are the load times. Just don't expect it to be super fast because it can, this disc is going to have to load every now and again. Which by which I mean after pretty much every move you make. <laughs> Yeah, also, there's note that the special attacks you can execute are, well, you can need a guide to find a few of them. The game doesn't tell you all of them automatically. It, like, slowly hints out a couple across the length of the game, but otherwise, but you can use them all from the beginning if you know the combination, but you need to either parse it out or get go online to find a guide to tell you the combinations. I freely concede that I used an online guide because... Yeah, same here. After a few tries of, oh, I'll, I'll just make some random motions and see what happens, I figured out, this is much less efficient than using somebody who's already done it for me. Yeah, I mean, it's like the number of combinations quickly escalates when you start talking about like a, a seven-attack string using up, down, left, and right. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and of course, you don't even have seven moves in a row early in the game, so you're, you're going to be kind of... At, all, at a problem if you try and put that move in your repertoire at level 10. Yeah. I mean, you can get the three-string ones pretty easily, but after the that... The four-string ones I got a few of on my own before I finally decided I'm I'm not... It's not worth the headache. No, it, it just isn't. Um, let's see here. Ah, yes. Sony's lovely localization is actually pretty decent for the text, but somebody apparently thought it would be far too much effort and expense to translate the few lines the characters say in battle, which yeah, means which that is... they will be speaking Japanese at you. Yeah, it's reasonable enough, but... And if you know basic Japanese, then you've probably heard the gist of what they're saying. It's more along yeah. the lines of, Yay! Look at what I did! I did it! Ha-ha! Things like that. Yeah. But yeah, I can't really complain with the localization. It's probably better than a few other square localizations at the time. Or, say, so, Sony's localization of uh, that, that game with a 7 at the end. People may remember that that was not a very good localization. Uh, and I can't really compare much from Square at the time, because I haven't played a whole lot of Square at that time. But... Yeah, it's that time they're moving past the kind of shaky localizations at the beginning of the previous one era, but... But otherwise, yeah, it's the text is readable. It's I don't remember there being uh, serious grammar or typo problems, though that could just be me. It's been a little while. Not nearly as long as you, but it's, it has been a few months since I played it. Yeah. Um, what else? Yeah, there are a lot of... It just does a really good job of feeling like it's the right length, like it's not regurgitating content or recycling anything, like each area you go to is distinct like the people and the places you visit are interesting enough to warrant your attention and not feeling padded yeah, I finished it at something like 38-39 hours and I was level 48 or so, which meant that the final boss was was a little rough, but I was able to handle him apparently yeah, if you power level then uh, the final boss gets to be pretty easy, but yeah, there's one optional boss in the game which is really darn tough, but I never beat that one. I can't, especially since it floats and you can't low kick it. That's the worst part of that one. I don't know if I even tried it. But yeah, the game's I think pretty well paced out, and you know, 
doesn't overstate its welcome. It's nice and varied, and it's just kind of fun. It's overall a good, fun little game. It is, yeah. I my tolerance for PS1 era stuff is varying, but this one, in spite of the load times and the pixelization that pokes in the eyes, is a pretty fun game. It it's a very nice little sleeper that doesn't get a whole lot of attention nowadays, but deserves your attention if you want something a little bit off the beaten path that should reward you. With faces. Mm -hmm. He rewards Ah. you with faces. Phil, I'm going to go find the album Faces and give it to you, and then you'll have all the faces you ever need. You know what? You make fun of me, but you will learn to appreciate faces when you walk in the world without them. When suddenly nobody has faces, suddenly you appreciate faces so much more, and you don't joke about that stuff anymore. Phil, I'm going to go give you the Earth, Wind, and Fire album Faces, and you're going to have fun because Earth, Wind, and Fire rocks. Hmm. But if you really, really need faces, that's a good source. So we ready to move on to the next one? Um, I guess one final little comment that's kind of trivial. Sure. We said that armor kind of is changes so you can get new equipment, but well, one of your equipment slots is always your raw Seru, and well, that changes too as you go through the game, the raw Seru levels up, and it still gives some little bracelets to this like giant thing covering your entire arm, which is big and spiky and such, which is kind of a nice little touch. Too bad it doesn't reflect it in the field, but nothing is. Oh well. I don't know why, but I always thought that was kind of a cool little touch. Oh, and one other thing. This game has the weirdest ending. It's the yeah, Schrodinger's cat of the uh, video game endings. I'm tr- I got the ending where uh, Vaughn, I guess, sticks with his girlfriend, who you see at the beginning, and then never again unless you go back to his hometown. Mm-hmm. And I guess you can get a different ending if you do something for Noah, which is no. just... There's actually four endings in the game. Which oh, right at- What? That many, okay. Yeah, there are four endings in this game. You see, right when you, right after you beat the final boss, you get the chance to save or, or something, and then you're walked up and you get asked a question like, what are you going to do now? And in, the entire ending simply plays out entirely dependent on what you answer there. If you say, I'm going like, to stay at home and marry my girlfriend, then you'll go find that she's been waiting for you happily all along, and then you quickly get up and marry just the Aries. If you alternatively can say, I'm going to go chase after Noah, and it turns out that in this continuity, the girl, your girlfriend at home actually fell in love with another guy, and they're going to get married while you go off to, off to chase after Noah, uh, who's gone off elsewhere. There's another one you can do, or you can just hang out with Gal and go and train and become a warrior monk, and I kind of forget what the last one is, but those are the right. I'm remembering that Court is turned into a baby. By yeah. time regression or something, and yeah. Noah is going to care for him, mm-hmm. so you can help her do that, which she will need help because she is ten eleven. <laughs> she, has, she has no idea what she's doing. Well, any standard ten eleven year old, I wouldn't trust with a baby alone, let alone her raised by a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I thought about it. I knew that there was more than one ending, but frankly it took me a good hour to kill the final boss and go through all the ending stuff, and I didn't feel like going through that again. Yeah, I actually ended up seeing, I think, all of them. It was fun. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's just, it's so crazy just how, you know, the way your choice affects how things have been played up to that point behind your back. Just, I've never seen that before in an RPG ending. This just kind of amuses me. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's another unique thing about this game, which has a lot of unique aspects. Yep. Okay, so now I think we're ready to go on to the sequel. Alrighty. 
Legea 2 Duel Saga. Because the only way to make a game this awesome and better is to make it duel. Yeah, and make it developed by Prokeon. Because everyone knows Prokeon, right? I think Prokeon is what Contrail turned into, but I'm not certain there because this game was not a financial success and the studio no longer exists. Mm. But it was published by Eidos in... Ah, uh, yes, Eidos, Eidos, known for Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah, hey, hey, I... I mean, it make more sense now than then, but... They made the Triangle Breast famous, don't forget that. I mean, I would... My mom was watching, she's like, holy cow, you can poke your eye out with those things. Man. Your mom was watching you play Tomb Raider? Yeah, yeah, actually, when that first came out, you know, it was it was getting such great reviews. I mean, at first I wasn't interested. I was, wasn't really interested in Super Mario 64 or other 3D platforming, but it was getting such great reviews. So I said, yeah, well, you know, I saw it on sale one day, so let me pick that up. You know, took it home and started playing it. And and we just got a kick out of how many different ways there we found we could kill her. Uh, it was just so hilarious. I mean, fall down a pit of spikes, her blood spurts up, and, you know, you start over a few minutes back. And, you know, the best one was you get into uh, Thor's room, and there's this huge hammer, Thor's hammer, suspended off the ceiling. You look up, it's huge as sin. You look, the room is, like, wide open, just plain old boring-looking ground, except there's one s- square in the middle that's dark. And you know what it is. You know what's going to happen when you step on it, but you do it anyway to see her get squished like the bug. And, and and you do it again after you reload just to see it again. And then you look up on YouTube years later and watch it in slow-mo. Yeah. It is awesome. But anyways, this isn't the Tomb Raider backtrack. As much fun as I have reminiscing about uh, old Tomb Raider jets. This is... Did, this is didn't, you, didn't you say that the new Tomb Raider is actually a good game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I'm playing... I had played the, the new Tomb Raider all the way through. Kudos to Square Enix. It's just, it just wonderfully made. I went back and played some of the games that technically kind of inspired Uncharted, which is kind of ironic because Tomb Raider inspired Uncharted. But playing Uncharted 1 didn't just... I mean... After you play Tomb Raider, Uncharted 1 feels very, very basic. I'm on Uncharted 2 now, and it's a little better, but still, I think Tomb Raider was better than 2, so we'll see how I feel about 3 when I get to it. Anyways, we're talking about Legaya, Legaya, Lagua, Duel, Duel Saga for your PlayStation. Lagua? Yeah. Where'd you come up with that Lagua one? Lagua for your PlayStation 2, a single-player role-playing experience coming to you on a DVD-ROM. And it better come with more action. Do we get more more combat arts and left, right, up, down, left, right, up, down to BBA yes, start? Yes, we do, actually. All right. We go from two types of arts to five types of arts. Holy crap, it's not duel. It's like duel and a half. Oh, my gosh. 250% more dueling. Yes, at your max, the max a character can get is 14 motions to pull off in a turn. You have to level a lot to get that, but... But boys, that's a lot of... <laughs> And this one, yes, the one I use frequently because it's just so damn powerful is uh, the one what, – what is the type, Nathan, where two characters, if you make the same motion, do a combined move? Variable arts? That's it. You do a variable art, and wow, does it hurt. Chris, then you have to use those characters with regular moves the next turn to recharge their energy, but boy, howdy golly, is that ever worth it. You'll do three, four thousand damage with regular punches and kicks, and then a variable art will do forty thousand damage. It's powerful stuff. Yeah, and there's well, the overall system from the previous game of charge up energy and releasing has been expanded a lot more. A lot more moves 
use up energy. There's a lot more moves. Yeah, there's a, each character only had like three moves that used it up in the last game. This one they've got whole, four types of move which use it up. So each which has multiple sub moves. That... At this point, I think I should say that I don't remember what Legend of Legate did, but I think it had a handy dandy list of your moves that you have discovered, which you can see in battle. In fact, you can even select. Yeah, Legate one two. Once you've discovered the move, you can even just select it with a button press, and it'll auto fill it in for you. It's kind of nice. Yes, that that is so so handy because it means you don't have to keep the fact chart in front of you. Yep, you need the chart to unlock them all, but once they're unlocked, it's home free. Definitely. Okay, story of Legate two, and I admit it's not as interesting as the one in Legate one. That's not even as immediately interesting. Not really as interesting in the long term. It's. Okay, I'm just going to admit it right now. I kind of got bored of this game halfway through and stopped. I, well, it, it, does, it does allow you to, che- to check off a lot of the RPG cliches right off the bat, because your main character is awakened, not by his mom, but by his adoptive sister, because he overslept yeah. for an important job, where he's going to do, he's going to leave with the men and do the hunting for the first time. Tell me, is that not an original setup? <laughs> it's so very original. Yeah, right. Uh, anyways, the interesting thing with this game is that all the characters look kind of familiar because they, every character, all the major characters in this game are really kind of they look just like characters in the last game, except with different hair colors on occasion. The main hero, Lang, looks just like Vaughn. Kind of. Oh, oh, except, except Lang wears a vest, kind of like Aladdin, and no shirt, which means that his uh, his birthmark, his scar, whatever you want to call it, on his chest is plainly visible. And there are several problems that result from this, which would simply be averted by putting on a shirt, which he never <laughs> thinks to do. <laughs> yeah. See, the adoptive sister who wakes him up looks just like Noah from the last game, except older. Meanwhile, yeah, does. the girl you recruit later on in the game is not only looks just like, like Vaughn's girl from the last game, has the same name as Vaughn's girl from the last game. Also, we could have a big guy who looks a lot like Gala, and this guy who looks around, kind of like Songi hanging around, with a different hair color, who's a major villain. Yeah. Uh, yes, our, our major villain, whose name is Avalon, by the way, first shows himself when that first hunting trip that Lang participates in goes awry because this guy shows up. He's looking for... Uh, it was the... Aqualith. It, the Aqualith, thank you. It was one of three eternal crystals of some kind in the world, and he was trying to get the third one because it will fuel his evil scheme. And you know he's evil, even though he doesn't... Even though his dialogue attempts to be philosophical and such, because because he sounds like this. How dare you not participate in my scheme? Well, I'll make do without you. Everyone who talks like this is inherently nice, don't you know? <laughs> Yeah, the voice acting in this game is not great. Not great at all. That has an interesting twist to it. That, you see, this is a game with dialogue options. Like, in the, especially in the very beginning of the game, Lang has a lot to say, and every time he says anything, you get like one of four different dialogue options of how exactly he says it. Like, you know, like, how are you doing? Four options. How's your day? Four options. What are you going to be doing now? Four options. And... You know, I actually kind of like this part because you do a lot to define his personality and reactions to things. It doesn't you need contribute it. too much. Lang speaks; he has dialogue, but he doesn't have much of a person, much more of a personality than Vaughn did, even with the dialogue. Yeah, the thing is, how the dialogue choices you make actually affect what he says and how he says it in cutscenes, and the few voice cutscenes that are important in the game. And so you can either sound like 
I am a hero. We're going to be heroic or don't kill me. <laughs> yes, some of them are pretty amusing. Uh, I think when his sister Nancy asks him to do something, you generally have a few choices. Are you going to help me make the dinner? Uh, no, but I'll gladly eat it. Something like that. Yeah. And because it's... she is the typical big sister character, she instantly has him under her thumb and will will cow will make him kowtow no matter what happens. That's that's just what sisters do in these setups. Yeah, she's pretty much the classic bossy sister type. Um. Okay. Aya. I actually found Aya kind of an interesting character because when you first get her, she's mute and she doesn't actually do anything in combat for a while, but defend. And then when she finally does learn, to, when she finally does come out of her shell and speak, uh, well, the actress portraying her is clearly trying her best to sound like a 14-year-old girl, and she is clearly much older than 14. <laughs> I don't know what we could have done about that except change the casting around. But her moves are actually different than anybody else's because they're elemental instead of physical. Yeah, instead of up, down, le- like high attack, low attack, left hand, right hand, she has fire, wind, water, and earth as her four directions, and thus she changes chains together different elements to get big elemental attack spells. It's very kind of distinct. It really works in the system, but it's very different than they've done before. So I kind of like it. Yeah, you, you just have to be a little careful with her because her HP are always pretty low. Yeah, she's not the big brawny fighting types. All the other creatures have been up to that point. Let's see. And then we've got the elder mentor martial artist, Kazan, who I renamed Curtiz, and only people who know about the Hollywood studio system directors will get that reference. And he is all of 60, which which actually is pretty old for the JRPG cliche list. Yeah, still spry for his age. He's not some old wizard type. He punches rocks. Yeah, he starts at level 25 when you're probably level 11 or so. He can help you a lot. And... I I don't know, I kind of liked his voice acting. It wasn't good, but it was funny. <laughs> you made me thirsty. Yeah, he's trying very, very hard to be a Hong Kong martial arts guy. <laughs> it, well, I'll say this. It's not as bad as some actual dubs from Hong Kong. Yeah, that's probably quite true. <laughs> uh, then you get Sharon the Pirate. And I don't know why, because her outfit isn't really the same, but she reminds me of Barbara Eden in I Dream of Jeannie. (laughs) And it is kind of a similar outfit. And her personality is just outgoing. She's very brash and outspoken. And your last character is Ayn? Is that the name of the giant? I never got to him, so I don't know. Okay. Yeah, you, you go to a big place where some giants live, and he joins you, and he's roughly, I don't know, nine feet tall. So, yeah, he's a big guy. He doesn't have as many moves as other people, but he has raw power on his side, but he's really slow, so watch out for that. I didn't also, use him a whole lot, though. Yeah. Also, the Seru are gone. I'm really kind of sad about that. I really like the Seru in the world they built, and they don't use it at all for this one. Instead, no, it- every- it's some kind of a, a, a sequel, but I don't really... I didn't pick up many references to the original Legea, and the magic system here, well, it works. It's pretty simple. You've got... Uh, All the main characters are things called... I think they're mystics or something? Is that the term? That's that's what they call themselves. I'm trying to remember what they call... They have some kind of an elemental spirit that is... Yeah, everyone has this kind of a protective spirit that lives inside their body or something, and they can call us out to use magic. And it's signified by having that tattoo, which Lang proudly displays on his chest by wearing an open vest. <laughs> Even though these people have been horribly persecuted at times, and people are afraid of them because they well, have magic Lang, powers. Well, Lang lived in an isolated village where he had no contact with others, so people learned to accept him on his own merits. 
But then when he goes someplace else, obviously it creates problems. Yeah, you'd think he'd learn to wear a shirt just after the first time there's a problem with this. Especially when we go to Aya's hometown, which is snowing. <laughs> I realize that redrawing the sprite is a lot of effort, but seriously, you don't go out in the snow with your chest bare, or maybe you do, and you don't live long. Yeah, this is a sequel to the game which has characters wearing their armor in battle, and this game I don't think has that at all, which is... No, I think it switches their weapons around, but that's it. Yeah. Um, So, no shirt that way. No, no. It did have a fairly interesting crafting system where you get a bunch of things, spoils from battle and whatnot, that you can fuse together at campsites to make new equipment. And also doesn't have a much more complex system for customizing your characters through equipping different special abilities that things like you can heal yourself when you defend and stuff like that. Yeah, and you have a certain weight limit, which goes up to 100, and each ability you're going to equip has, I don't know, a weight from 8, 16, something like that. So you have to balance it out with your total weight requirement. And the annoying thing about the abilities is that you don't just flat out learn them and have a list. You are limited by what your equipment possesses. And then you choose... Yeah, like a lot like Falsy 9 in that regard, I think. That's where the crafting system is helpful, because it allows you to fuse items together and cherry pick. Well, you can't cherry pick, but you can put abilities together, which is helpful, but it's not the system it could and should have been. Yeah, it's a notable attempt to improve, add more complexity to the previous games, but it's not necessarily a great system, I guess is one way of saying it. Yeah. It, I don't want to say it's a terrible system either, it's just a, an, an immensely flawed system with a lot of aspects that I do like. That sounds fair. And I think somebody was playing Grandia to come up with the notion of every time we go to a save point, we can stop and chat at the campfire for a while, which doesn't necessarily lead to blinding insights of philosophical weight. But it is a nice way to hear your characters talk at each other, and a lot of the things that they say are kind of funny. And there's also a cooking system, which, let's see, that comes from that comes out of Tales, right? Yeah, probably. And the cooking system is another interesting idea that's not as well implemented as it should be, but I would like to see it come back somewhere else, where you learn a recipe, a character makes it, using ingredients, of course, so that means more things you got to buy, but each thing you eat increases or alters your character's stats for a set number of battles. So it's not permanent, but if you eat a certain thing right before a boss fight, that can be just what you need. And it will definitely help you out with the random battles, which are, again... Not pushovers for the most part. Yeah, enemies can take a couple of combos to go down if I remember right, even early on. Yeah, and they can hurt you really badly. Which, which is, is why. Hard, which is kind of a hard thing to do early in the game before you get healing magic and such. Yeah. It can be kind, kind of, of a chore. Kind of forces you to rely on your healing supplies. And that is why. Once you have your the ability for someone to use a magic attack, you whip that out and it will pretty much kill everything. I had Kazan, I'm sorry, Curtis, using his. Uh, is it an earth smash thing and what do you know it kills everything on screen until late in the game I remember so going just... through with that Sharon's lightning magic for the one dungeon I played through with her which was like right before I kind of got sick of the game because I don't know why I did but I, by that point I was just maybe it's because you're feeling like it's going nowhere maybe because the plot twists for okay there's seriously one point the villain gets everything he wants and then he decides to you know 
Maybe I, maybe this isn't, maybe this is just boring me or something. Maybe I'm just going to send out all the, uh, these items I just took so much effort to get and scatter across the world and, you know. Well, I got what I needed. They were on, he got what he needed. They were all together. And then uh, because Lang had been making himself annoying, Avalon just decides, here, you can have it back for all the good it'll do you. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can have it back now. And then, uh, this, there's a gigantic eclipse of the sun. Had you gotten to that part? Yeah, that's about. I remember that part at least. Eclipse of the sun, monsters get worse. Oh yes, do they ever? Ugh, they get nasty at that point. And yeah, I will. Say, I will say this: the pacing is pretty bad in this game. The events of the villain getting his plot fulfilled and being in a position to conquer the world usually happen pretty late in the game. But this is before the halfway point. So most of the game, you are going to be wandering around attempting to reach the villain. Well, first you have to get back uh, the fire lith and the wind lith, whatever. They're called something else, but you get what I mean. Instead of the aqua lith, they're the, the fire lith and the wind lith. And uh, where will you find them? You'll never guess. But the fire lith is in a place of fire, and the wind lith is in the air. I, I bet I'm just flooring you here. I never have seen it coming. Shocking plot twists unheard of throughout humanity's history. That's what this game gives you. And to get the Firelith... Oh, oh it's the Pyrolith! That, that name just makes it all the much better. You have to fight a couple of mystics who you have seen before. That would be Elliot and his sister, whose name I forget, who are extremely obnoxious aristocratic or pseudo-aristocratic pretenders, I guess. Uh, Yeah, his... Elliot's sister is... She looks like a garbage pail kid, frankly. And, yeah, they have to die because they've gotten in your way a couple points and they must die now. And to get the... I'll keep calling it the wind lift because I can't remember what it's really called. You have to fight the man... Kazan trained and has now gone bad. Again, a shocking character development. You've never heard of this before. (laughs) So you kick the crap out of him. Then you beat up... You remember the woman who shows up a few times? She's helping Avalon around. She doesn't have much of a personality other than that, but do you remember who I'm talking about, Nathan? No, this, I'm trying to complete blank on a lot of this. I'm sorry. Okay. I got halfway through, the game was kind of making me sick of it at the time, but... I know she appeared a couple of times before where you stopped. Oh, I don't doubt it. It's just... I don't know a lot of interesting things, but not her. Sorry. And she summoned something that you had to fight in uh, the palace of the uh, little fat, short dude who thinks way too highly of himself and wants to be a bishop. Um, yeah, anyway, you beat the crap out of her, and it turns out, in a plot twist that really deserved more development than the game gives it, that she is several thousand years old and was living solely because of her, um, whatever we call the creatures that live in the mystics. And once you finally kill her, she just kind of disappears because she's just that old. Really, though, it deserved more development than the game gave it. Sounds like it. Uh, and you meet Avalon at the end, and he gives you this this fairly standard villain spiel. Well, I had hoped that you would join me and see things the right way, but I don't necessarily need you to enact my plan. <laughs> you beat the crap out of him. 
he reveals that of course he was only using a little power and then he uses uh whatever whatever that thing he was creating it's it makes him really strong but then uh <laughs> the game actually does this with the power of hope and faith generated i guess by people throughout the world your characters get up beat the crap out of him and then he turns into a, a super evil gigantic monster thing for the final clash and using the power of faith and love for each other they stop the machine that he created i i know i've floored everybody by that revelatory announcement yeah yeah i think i've done a few times video um but you know what yes i acknowledge that the pacing is terrible the plot developments are often widely spaced apart and yet i kind of like this game not ne- not for the overall plot i what i've just described is nothing you should be jumping in at the chance to play but the side missions you're able to take starting quarter or third away through i really liked those i took on almost all of them because they the side stories you get to go on are actually pretty interesting there's a pair of bounty hunters a lady and the guy who in, in tow with her who is wearing an afro and because this was made in japan wearing an afro automatically means that he has some kind of mental issue i guess i'm not trying to say anything here but this guy is all about the muscles yeah man i got these awesome muscles i gotta, I gotta go punch something and these two show up several times. There's another super awesome bounty hunter who apparently popped out of another dimension. You learn that in a very late mission. The missions you go on are honestly more entertaining than the main narrative by far. And they net you lots of good things, which you want, so I recommend going on them. Um, yeah, the camping is fun. The cooking is not all it could be, but I enjoyed it. And I guess I should talk about how it looks. It doesn't look ugly necessarily, but it is kind of bland. Does that yeah, fit? Yeah, it's like it doesn't look bad. The models are kind of nice. The environments are kind of nice. But you know, if this isn't Final Fantasy X. It's a much more low budget affair. It, so it's like you know, it's not a bad looking game, but it's not you know, like one with like a giant art team of incredible talented people who had an unlimited budget. Far from it. No, unfortunately, and. Yeah, okay, the, the voice acting. Let's go into that a little bit. Because it's not omnipresent. There, you will only hear voice acting in... When things happen during fights, which are, of course, all boss fights, say there's an early boss fight where there's a gate slowly closing as you fight the guy. And he'll talk to you during that. And when you fight Avalon, he will, of course, be talking to you. When you fight pretty much any major boss and get to a certain point, they'll start talking to you. Or you'll start talking back. But that's about the only point you're, you'll hear voice acting except standard, uh, hey, hey, did you see that? Things like that in battle. Oh, and before I forget, on the blandness subject, any game that forces you to go back to the sewer level is not doing something right. Oh, I think that's actually where I stopped, is the, <laughs> the return to the sewer level. <laughs> but come on, Nathan, it's a sewer level. Those are always great. Yeah, sewer level with added the lightning puzzle, which is like <laughs> twice as large. Did we mention uh, the abilities that he just had to move stuff around using their spirit things? Oh no, we didn't. It's not. Most of the puzzles aren't that deep, but uh, since you just press a shoulder button to switch between the on-screen character you're displaying and then you can use somebody else's ability, they're pretty fun. Yeah, it's like a lesser version of Lufia 2 or Wild Arms game. Not really as 
deep as either, but it's there. Um, okay, most of the music in the game I found very pleasant at the time, but I've forgotten most of it, except for Avalon's first final boss theme, which is really, really catchy, and I never expected to be reminded of the rusty Ruin Zone music for Sonic 3D Blast on the Saturn. <laughs> but that's seriously what it reminds me of. The Saturn in particular, because the Genesis version had different music. <laughs> yeah, I, I played way too much 3D Blast. Yeah, I, I've i never not really been a Sonic fan, so I wouldn't know that recognize that, but it's kind of like the battle version of his main kind of ominous theme, which he plays whenever he shows up, which I actually kind of re- recognized when I heard it. But... Yeah, the, the ominous male vocal is not something you hear very often. Um... Yeah, the music I don't think is all that great, but it's also, you know, it's not bad, I don't think. It's very it's very soothing for the most part. I remember a lot of areas having very pleasant music that I don't, again, I don't remember it well, but it certainly sounded nice at the time. Um, let's see. In order to get to the air lift, the wind lift, the, you have to participate in a tournament, which involves going through, uh, I think it was eight fights in a row. And most of them are pretty easy, but you get kicked back to the beginning if you lose any of them, so it's kind of annoying. And I did lose once when something poisoned me, and you know what? Poison saps 10% of your health each turn. If, it dra- if a fight drags on, you're in trouble. And, oh, and of course, Lang is by himself for these fights. Naturally. I hate that about tournament arcs. And then you are interrupted by the mysterious man in a mask. Who oh you god, it's Xenogears all over again. You must beat the crap out of, and then it is revealed that it is <gasps> the guy Kazan trained, who is now evil. And I mentioned that you fight him when you get the airlift, but I didn't mention how you first meet him. Even though you have seen him being generically evil in the background in one scene before this. However, there are a couple of villains who are noteworthy. One would be the first boss of the game. You remember this, Nathan, I'm sure. The ape. Sorry, no, my memory is probably not as good as you think it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, the first boss you fight is Lang versus an ape. I, I don't remember her name, but she does have a name, and it is a she, because she is partners with a man who is wearing... Oh, nuts one, coming back. One, one massive not, cowlick. And he's taken fashion advice from Lang because he's wearing a, a vest with no shirt. Yeah, I think I'm trying to repress his memories. Just give me a moment so I don't remember. I want to... I don't know what I want to say about this, but it is memorable that you are fighting a man later who pr- openly professes his love for his gorilla. Again, I don't really know what to say about that. Yeah, I don't but, know. But, I... you do, but you don't see that anywhere else. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. I'm not I'm not being judgmental here. I'm not being speciesist. <laughs> and, of course, when you fight the guy, he's really, really... Bubba, that's his name. I don't remember his ape's name yet, but Bubba, despite looking like he just took fashion advice from Elvis, is fairly tough. He hits really, really hard. Um, what else is there to say? The pacing is really slow. I, yeah. I freely concede that. It's It feels like you're just kind of going nowhere, going in circles a lot, which is probably the big thing that caused me to stop playing. I the mean, dungeons kind of... in particular are big. Yeah, they're really they're, they're pretty empty. And they're really big and they're kind of boring. And the towns don't stick out in my mind the way the ones Ligaya, the original Ligaya did, Ligaya did. Well, there aren't as many of them. Yeah, there's like this, the castle town, the home village, 
this lack anything descriptive, vi- memorable about them, visually interesting or conceptually interesting. Well, let's see. There's the town with the gigantic crater in the center, which is where Avalon, as a child, apparently had a freak out with his mystic, and that's where he learned to hate humans because they were all chasing him with burning pitchforks and lighting bonfires. And that's an aspect which really should have been explored deeper. The idea yeah. of mystics being persecuted by those normal humans. Yeah, the game tries to tell us like this is the main idea of the game, but it doesn't really do a lot for it, as far as I recall. No, and you you definitely won't see much. After Avalon springs his plot, you pretty much don't hear anything else about the persecution of mystics over the years, which is kind of a waste. But I, I can't say that this was a great experience I will remember for years to come. Yet on the whole, I don't really see why this gets the hate from fans of the original that it does. Sure, it's a very, very different bag, but what I had fun with, I didn't. I really did enjoy, even if, even if it is an immensely flawed product. Yeah, it's, I think the thing. It's a flawed game. It, it mechanically, it's a great successor to the previous, but story-wise, it's really not. And I guess it seems that a lot of people want it better. Which is because you know, the game it's not a fantastic game, but you know, it's a fun one. And this game, I don't know, maybe it's just missing the fun. Maybe it's okay. just that I like that I tend to look high at the, at the combat aspect of a game, and those missions, many of them with uh, optional bosses to fight, were interesting enough that they did a better job of fleshing out the game than its main story did, which I admit is pretty much a loss. Yeah. I like some stuff of the game. Like, there's a lot of optional scenes you can save. See by heading back to town, and so the the hero's adoptive sister, kind of girlfriend character, is actually you know kind of an interesting fleshed out one compared to most of that type. And yeah, the Aya's character is actually done pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think the characters are not bad. It's just the story they're thrown in is pretty much horrible, sadly. Yeah, I. Again, I was I was more just disinterested than actively despising the story. But yeah, that's still I mean, not much of a recommendation. Yeah, the, same, the kind of things like the greatest sin a game story can be is boring, and this is the kind of game which leans towards that quite sadly. Because well, you know it's fun watching a true train wreck. This game doesn't really achieve to be even that. So I don't know. When I think of a t- terrible story, and I know Cassandra would strongly disagree, but she's not here, so I can talk about it. I think of Luminous Arc Two. <laughs> Oh, how many freaking times do we have to fight you, you stupid witch? I just beat the crap out of you five times and you're back for more. Uh, uh, okay. No. Uh, yeah, for me, it's probably White Knight Chronicles 2, sadly. I really liked the it, it, series, all two games of it, but the story of the second part's horrible. So bad. Yeah, this is probably better than that. Well, with the, with the recommendation, like, it's better than the story of White Knight Chronicles 2, how can you go wrong? <laughs> Let's not let's not answer that. It'll be too painful. <laughs> I think mm. I've run out of stuff to say about it. Anything left for you, Nathan? No, I think that's about it. Kind of likable characters, kind of bland story, nice mechanics, not so great dungeons. I think that covers most of it. What was that game without the faces again? Uh, grand yeah, Stream yeah. Saga. Okay, Grand Stream. <laughs> no, Grand, not Grand. 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 Okay, here we go. All right, so, okay, so... so Are you looking to give yourself nightmares again, Phil? No, no, I'm refusing to actually look at any screenshots. I'm simply looking up another piece of information. Now, now, Legend of Legaea 
is going anywhere from about thirty-five all the way up to two hundred dollars for a sealed copy. Thirty-five gets you a used one with some slight wear and tear, uh, manual that looks like it's been chewed up by a dog, and yeah, some faded writing on the front. Anywho, now that that's probably a bit. Ex- is that one on PSN? I don't know, but I would doubt it if the disc is still going so high. But maybe I'm wrong. Usually, once well, you- it comes out on PSN, the price deflates. Well, Radiant Silvergun is on Xbox Live, and the physical price for that is still astronomical. Mm-hmm. Anywho, uh, I, here's the thing, right? You can you can get Legend of Legaia on disc for let's say an average of fifty, sixty, seventy bucks, even, right? Sounds a bit expensive for a PlayStation One, you know, RPG, but that that does beat the price you would have paid originally. But but I want you to think about this: Grand Stream Saga is ten dollars, but it has no faces. <laughs> So, would you rather pay just a tiny bit more and have faces, or go cheap and be creeped out for the rest of your life like we are? Think about this, people. Grandstream Saga is creepy because of the faces, but it's actually a fun game. Creepy faces. As in, they don't exist. Legia... Leguia, I think is the right way to pronounce it. Uh, two, Dual Saga. It uh, goes for about $30 used, and you can get it for about uh, 55 60 in the brand new. That much? I, I didn't pay that much for it. Yeah, well, no. I found about, a complete I found... copy for 4 bucks in a pawn shop. Oh, there you go. I do see some <laughs> acceptable copies for the $10 range. Disc only. Disc is mint scratch fee. No case or ins- uh, instructions included. Uh, warning, it also does not include faces. Oh, well, there you go. Damn. It's the no face version. Screw that crap. I don't care if it was two cents. I'm not buying the no face version. Creepy crap. Any... Darn it, Phil. You you and your nightmare fodder. What are you? Why are you doing this to yourself? Because do I need to give you some horror movies to give you real nightmares instead of the faceless it ones? Creeps me out. It's evil. I mean, they should like burn. It should be like Fahrenheit four fifty one, but just with copies of Grandstream Saga instead of books. Just burn them all. Burn them. The tradition in this industry is to bury them, not burn. All right, them. bury them all with ET. Just just out in the desert somewhere. <laughs> Just, just saying. So, so we're gonna take a break while you guys go find copies of Grandstream Saga to bury somewhere, <laughs> and we'll be. Re- what did it ever do to you? Except, it, why, why are we not talking about something like? Oh, I don't know. Took away faces. Actraiser two that deserves to be destroyed. <laughs> well, okay, Actraiser two isn't that great, sadly. I want to defend it because it's Actraiser, but it's also Actraiser two, so that means I don't want to. Conflict. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come right back with the final lap.
Welcome back. Uh, we forgot, as in we as in me, forgot that we have a Blast from the Recent Past. Uh, we're going to talk about a game. Blast from the Recent Past segment is where we talk about an RPG that came out about two years ago. Talk about it. So uh, it might have been something you passed up. Maybe it's something you bought and put in your backlog. We're going to tell you whether or not you should leave it there or pick it up off the shelf. Today we're talking about Deus Ex Human Revolution, developed by Eidos Montreal, published by Square Enix. This was released on so many different systems I can't see straight, including the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, as well as Microsoft Windows, released here in North America on August the 23rd, 2011. Give or take a few months, depending on your platform. This is an action, first-person, shooter, stealth, single-player, RPG experience. It made for a funny classic game room episode. You know, you can't you can't do this. You just can't combine all these genres together and have something good. Or can you? Yeah, well, it's not bad. It could be better, but it's not bad. It It's a great game for people who love the color yellow. I guess that's the first thing you have to say about it. Yellow. Everything is yellow. Everything. You're making me think of Wizard of Oz for some reason. <laughs> that's green, not yellow, but yeah. No, but, but, but there's a, a yellow brick road. Ah, uh, that's true. And it had a fun song. I've never actually seen the movie. I've read the book, but not seen the movie. A lot was changed. Yeah, I'm well aware of that. Of course, if you want to see a really weird version, just go watch the silent one, in which, uh, well, well, there's some horrible blackface. That's hard to watch now. Anyway, that has nothing to do with Deus Ex whatsoever. No, no, <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing. So what, what does have to do with Deus Ex? Let's see here. Sneaking down a, a, from the roof of a building, creeping behind a guy, then knocking him out. Or killing him, whichever. The effect is exactly the same, but you just really want to be a nice guy or a bad guy. And I'm not even sure if there's a morality system tracking this. It's just there. Yeah. There's a lot of sneaking, going through vents. Lots of vents. This reminds me a little of that one Splinter Cell I played long ago. Is that at all accurate? Do you know? I've never actually played the Splinter Cell game, so it's probably like that. It's also okay. kind of like Metal Gear, except not as Metal Gear. Well, I stunk at Splinter Cell, so I can't say much about it. Yeah, like the stealth options of this game aren't... The stealth system isn't, say, it's very sophisticated, but you can sneak around people and distract them and hack cameras and such, which is... Okay, it's a, a complex hacking minigame, which, you know, is almost more bothered than it's worth, but it's very... You basically have to deal with it if you want to get anywhere without killing everything in sight, which is pretty much the least single rewarding way of getting through everything. Since, you know, this is a game which is... You're punished for combat. The hero, Adam Jensen, will die in, like, three bullets, I swear. And that's even... With armor, you can maybe go up to, like, five, if you're lucky. And so, yeah, it's all about not being hit, sneaking up on enemies, either putting them to sleep or shooting them, whichever you prefer. And... Yeah, don't want to say much about it. Other than a lot of stealth, a lot of sneaking through things, hacking things, and generally what... You'd expect from a game which is a first-person stealth game, which is kind of an RPG, but not really much of one. You level well, up the, once in a while. Except for the hacking but, part, that definitely does sound like what I remember of Splinter Cell. Up to and including getting killed real fast. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about stealth games. It's not going to be a stealth game unless you just die real fast and you're not stealthing. Although, I know from having watched the classic Game Room review that if you put enough effort into it, 
you can become an unstoppable force of destruction, able to rip the rip apart everything in your path. Well, even if you have all of the armor, you're still going to die fast. It's basically just rush up real fast, punch two guys in one once, and get a spectacular combo move. Then punch the third guy, open your menu, eat a power bar so you can punch the fourth guy, and then you've won. That actually sounds very strategic. <laughs> because you inserted the power bar. Now, without that, it would be mindless action. But with that, it becomes a complicated series of tasks that one must perform. <laughs> yeah, the power bar part is actually the most annoying part of the game for me. It's just like, you use energy to do everything, but it'll only ever recharge up to one bar, unless you stack down on power bars. And so, like, an actual quirk of the character, which just kind of emerges from gameplay, is that he's always stealing his employees' power bars. Like, He's the head of security, and there's no problem whatsoever in you sneaking around through the tunnels and stealing all the power bars from the office. And there, people will even complain about, who's sneaking into my office stealing my stuff? Is this an instance of product placement? <laughs> oh, okay, or, is it, it, or is it not a named variety of power it's bars? It's not a named variety, it's their own unique... Okay. Um, I mean, power bar in the most generic sense possible, except it's like specifically aimed for cyborgs, because, you know, this is Deus Ex, He's, you're a cyborg, everyone's a cyborg, everything's about cyborgs. If you're not willing to put up with that, the game quickly becomes unbearable, because everything is obsessed with, well, the augments and the augmented and all that. So I, I'll say it right now, I'm not This, this is reminding me of Shadowrun, too. Yeah, it's probably like that, except without the demon god, the, the demon, the spirit dog guides that give you magic and orcs and all that. No, that's that's I think unique to Shadowrun. Yeah. It's been forever since I played Shadowrun. But I want to do so again one we day. We did a backtrack on it way back. Go find it because that will tell you more than I that I can remember right now. <laughs> yeah. Um okay. Yeah, it's like this how, is a, How does human it, revolution look? It looks good and yellow. I don't think I've mentioned this. <laughs> Everything is yellow. Well, actually, I know exactly why that is. Because I just got a new pair of sunglasses, and apparently they're tinted slightly so that everything looks yellow when I'm wearing them. So now you know. You are wearing new sunglass vision camera. Uh, the problem is that Adam Jensen can't get away from sunglasses since they're embedded into his face. <laughs> then I guess he better get used to the color yellow. He better. <laughs> um, yeah... Basically, you control Adam Jensen. He's caught up in this complex plot. There's conspiracies. There's, his people have these complex plans. There's an artificial AI who's brainwashing the masses. Stuff like that. Just crazy cyberpunk plots. Lots, a lot of random little side quests. I don't want to say in that much longer in-depth version of it. But overall, fun game. Could be better. I hated the ending. I mean, seriously, this is the game where they're attempts to make the... Your, you put your faith in humanity by committing a massive wanton and mass slaughter of innocence. How that works, I don't know, but that's how the game tries to sell it. Uh, it's the Joseph Stalin principle. If you continue to kill people, then the ones you haven't killed will eventually think of you as a benevolent overlord who might not kill them. Yeah, it's something like that. It's like, you know, if I kill everyone here and hide all the evidence, humanity is saved. Or I can just, you know, try to be tell the truth, which, in fact, if you try to tell everyone what actually happened, you've sided with this horrible racist 
bigoted guy, and even though it doesn't make any sense, and okay, yeah, the ending is bad. <laughs> it's like it's a multiple choice ending that just every choice is bad. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. So yeah, ex expect to hate the end. Yeah, expect to hate the end. Enjoy the gameplay, except for the very last level, which should be dramatic, but is in fact completely harmless. I hate that too. Ah, yes. Ramping up to nothing. That's exactly how we want our story progression to go. Yeah, and the, final, the big final battle is not that great either. I hear they fixed all the boss battles because everyone hated the boss battles. They heard they fixed that in the new Wii U version, but I haven't played it, so I don't know. Wouldn't know. But yeah, it's a fun game overall. Just, you know, I hated the story. Like the gameplay, hated the story. <laughs> okay. I know people will rant and rave and try to kill, to swear to kill me for this, but that's how it goes. Okay, so you can write to him at askwheels <laughs> at rpgamer.com. Just send all of your complaints about Nathan's blasphemous comments about your favorite game to askwheels at rpgamer.com. Cool. All right. And, and you know you can get this. You can get this game. It's it is a you know overall a, a really cool game. Um, story or you know aside or whatnot, depending on your opinion of that. Uh, regardless, like you said, it's just it's just a fun game, and it's really really. It's a fun game. And it's, I mean, it's the you know it's the prequel to this one game everyone loves that I played. That you played when we cut out. He played a bunch. I'm gonna finish it for him. Man, I just played that a bunch. Um. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was trying to pull up uh, Steam real fast to get a price on it, and uh, my Steam account seems to be... Oh, there it goes. Um, but I do know you can get uh, Day... I think you can get... Uh, let me just double-check real fast. I think you can get Deus X. Uh, of course, that would be if I could spell it correctly. The the U doesn't come first. What's that What's that uh, rule in English? U before E except after C? Or as in long A? No, I in... before E except after C. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it has to do with a U. Oh, well, the, the uh, beautiful update, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the beautiful something or rather. Anyway, okay. Yeah. So that's okay. We just finished your, your thoughts for you because that's what we do here on the backtrack. <laughs> you know, your thoughts are so important that we just finished them for you. So you can actually play, you can play Deus Ex for $10 on Steam, Deus Ex Invisible. You didn't mean Deus Ex Human Revolution, No, no, I'm right? getting there. I'm getting there because okay. people want to play the whole trilogy, of course. So Deus Ex Game of the Year Edition is six ninety nine. Deus Ex uh, Invisible War is six ninety nine, And then Deus Ex Human Revolution is $20. Um, and there's some plugins or add-ins or whatever they call, you know, to that one as well. Um, yeah, so you too can enjoy the, Patches? the whole thing. Uh, no, like uh, downloadable content, DLC. DLC. Oh, okay. You can yeah. get the GOG version for $10. I prefer the GOG version because I love DRM free, but it is more expensive in this case, which kind of turns me off. Um, I would wait for a, a GOG sale if it was me, but... That's just me to play the older ones, but the Human Revolution is only on Steam. Twenty bucks you can get on Steam. I've seen it on Steam sale plenty of times during the holidays for like six bucks, five bucks, ten bucks less. So, um, but even at twenty bucks, I think it's an excellent value. It's just a good game, uh, and it's yellow. I've heard. I'm just saying. Was the packaging yellow too? Yes. Okay, truth in advertising then. Hmm. The packaging's yellow, the title screen's yellow, all the game replay is yellow, all the game interface and mechanics are yellow. I guess the guns aren't yellow, but that might be like the one major exception. 
Yeah. And that's odd because you'd think people would want guns to blend in and not immediately be obvious. Okay. All right. What, what do I know about a stealth game design? Oh, jeez. All right. Well, we're going to stealth on another break. We'll be right back to wrap this up with the final lap. It's time for the final lap. This is where we read your comments, do kitchen sink stuff, talk about what we're doing in our lives because, after all, our lives are so important. <laughs> Everyone wants to hear about what we're talking about, right? Or what we're playing and what we're doing and what movies we're watching. Yes, you do. You do. You want to hear this. You do. And if you don't, you can always hit stop now and just call it a day. But you don't want to because you do want to hear stuff like that. Yeah. So last uh, last uh, show we talked about um, Peter uh, Molyneux, and it really shocked <laughs> me that after spending so much time talking about the greatness that is the trilogy of Fable games, we got so few comments. And in fact, you know, one of the only comments we got was about Pokemon XY that I made a comment on just as an aside about their different battle cries. And I was super excited that Shaman was able to confirm to me that at least some of their battle cries is getting the update that they so richly deserve. Shaman, thank you so much. Because of you, I have gone to Amazon and placed my pre-order. So I'm going to see. Well, Shaman also mentioned something that I had forgotten, which we did not mention. Apparently, Lucifer, back in the day on the RPG cast, had quite a bit of fulminating to do on the subject of Fable. And I never listened that far back, so I didn't hear about it until later. But yes, Lucifer did spout off quite a bit on the subject of Fable. There. Yeah. We, we have now covered it. <laughs> um, let's see here. And, and, then, and then Ocelot comes in at the end, the only other non-Mike and Phil post. And uh, and what does she say? OMG, they finally confirmed the update of Pokemon Cry. <laughs> no, she did mention Fable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, Well, she has a higher word count for Pokemon, though. Just She does, yeah. because all she has to say about Fable is that Last episode taught her she is a dirty, dirty lady when the game's story and combat are not engaging. Okay. Yeah. I really wish I could should have joined you guys for the Fable talk because at least share you know the craziest Fable story I have. Well, you know what? I tell you what. When we do the roundtable, I want you to share that Fable story. 
Very well, I will do so. All right. But before we do that, it is our responsibility, nay, our obligation to let you, the listening audience, know what our next show is going to be. RPG Backtrack number 103, Violent Vandalism. We're going to be talking about some of my favorite PlayStation 1 games. Uh, I've not, as most of you know, I don't really have a really great relationship with PlayStation 1 uh, RPGs. It's mostly a love-hate relationship. Uh, where it's more hate than love. But the Vandal Heart games, uh, Vandal Hearts uh, 1 and 2, I did enjoy those. So I can't wait to talk about them. We're also going to talk about Vandal Hearts Flames of Judgment, which came out later on the PlayStation 3. So looking forward to that. We're looking forward to having you there virtually with us through the power of your Apple iPad or iPod or whatever MP3 player you may be using at the time. So, uh, let's see here. We did the official announcement. Oh, news. So, not a, a whole lot of um, of uh, retro news, but I will say uh, it is a really – if you're into Dungeon Keeper, that's I, – I technically it's not an RPG, but it's got a lot of those medieval fantasy themes. You're building up your own dungeon to trap the heroes type of thing. A lot of people loved it. You'll be interested to know that Dungeon Keeper, which we announced before as being available on GOG.com, has been upgraded to the gold version. Uh, if you've already bought it, you get that upgrade for free or you can go out and buy it now. But that means it's got the expansion pack included in. Uh, it was a very fun 97 dungeon building um, type of deal. A lot of people. So go and check that out. The deeper deeper dungeons expansion is now included. So rush out and get that. You know, I, I haven't seen a lot of other. I keep my eye closely on GOG and uh, Steam. Not, uh, Steam got uh, oh gosh, was that old PC RPG? It's been on while, so I forget. Uh, that old PC RPG. That one, it does. It it just really does. <laughs> it's it's like one that keeps coming back again and again. It was kind of mediocre, but it just it keeps popping up on my radar. Um, and you, and I, yeah, you think I remember what it is? It's like it's like one of the few JRPGs that is on the PC. Uh, Septera Core. That's what I'm thinking of. Septera Core is now on Steam for uh, for on sale at the moment for two forty nine. I think that's what the PC one that was supposed to be emulating a. JRPG. Right, right. It kind of does an emulation of a JRPG type of deal. So I've got the GOG version. I need to sit down and play it sometime, and I'll give you all a thorough uh, review on it on the RPG Backtrack when I do. But, uh, yeah, if you if for some reason you're a bigger fan of uh, Steam than GOG and you didn't pick it up on GOG, you can get it on Steam. So Septera Core, Legacy of the Creator. Or, if I get really pissed off when playing it, it'll be Legacy of the Destroyer as I bash my keyboard against the monitor. Anywho, um, a lot, lot of fans of that game, so it probably isn't too, too. Uh, aside from that, uh, what I think has been pretty cool is that uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, – there's a couple of really cool games that are just recently being released, which normally we don't talk about too much in the RPG Backcheck. However, uh, they carry the spirit of old-school gaming with them. First off, I just got it in my hand today. Came in the mail today. We have Etrison, Et- Etrison, uh, Etrian Odyssey Untold uh, the Millennium Girl, which is kind of – I want to play that, but I need to beat four first. It's a terrible conundrum. It's a conundrum. Well, but but you can you can do it guilt free, Nathan, since it's a prequel, really, right? It's kind of a remake of the first one, right? I know, but if I get embedded in one, and I'm not going to finish the last. No, one, you're, and you're absolutely right, Nathan. I absolutely agree with your line of logic, and that's why I'm not actually going to play it yet because I still got to play um, some of the other ones. First. Um, but but I will point. I wanted to buy it because these things really don't go out down in price too fast. There wasn't much point in, in holding it off. Plus, I get the free music CD and design book that I probably wouldn't get if I bought it used later. But anyway. Um, 
But yes. Uh, that means I need to get a two. I forgot about that kind of thing. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Yeah, it's it's an atlas. It's game. an atlas you're, game. There's really no point in. You're really taking chances you, if you try and wait out a price. Rolling down those dice, let me tell you. That's that's exactly you know that's a, when it comes to the buying games. Uh, what was a what really good game that just came out? Uh, oh, Grand Theft Auto Five, right? And my wife's like, you're gonna get that right because I played four. Uh, I love four, and she's like, you're gonna you're gonna get that right. I'm like, um, no, because I know. Give it a, a year or two and they'll have the game of the year edition with all the DLC for 20 bucks. Um, whereas, yes, with Atlas Games, I get the CD and the art book now, or I hold off and end up paying the same price or more and get none of that. So, yeah. Anywho, um, but sometimes Atlas Games do go down. It is kind of a conundrum with them because it's kind of rolling the dice. There have been Atlas Games, of course, that have gone down. Yeah, Radiant Destroyer's price is like they played ping pong with Right, because it, it went up. They did the reprints and, and stuff. And they did the reprint, which they never do. And who would have known? Who, who honestly would have known? Um, I got it when it was low the first time. I saw it go up and went, ee, yay, look at my game go up not that i ever sell them or anything i'm a collector but uh then they re-release i went oh it went back down so that was funny that's true uh anywho uh that's and of course if, if for some odd reason you haven't heard of etrian odyssey games they are classic old school dungeon crawling with a with a strong jrpg flair uh one of the really cool uh things about these games is the deep party system you create your own characters except in millennia girl if you play the story mode it's a pre-made party which is a new twist on the uh the series but you can play in classic mode and 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 still play through with your own uh, complete party. And the other cool thing about these games is you basically are drawing your own map. You really feel like you're back in the 80s where you were drawing grid maps when you're playing through the dungeon crawlers. But in this case, you're drawing on the back. You don't have half. to use paper. Yeah, no paper. You don't have to use that wonderful touch screen. And also the dungeons are a lot less malicious and a lot more interesting than the old ones. I'm yeah, yeah. It's, sure. it's more. It's definitely more uh, newbie friendly with Etrian Odyssey. Uh, untold, there is a friendly mode that that easy mode or whatever it's called where if you die once you get to continue um and run back to the end quickly and rest um whereas normally in, in etrinasi because they are emulating those old school dungeon crawlers like you're dead well i hope you saved back at the end three hours ago because yeah, etrinasi is just hard, hard. yeah so that's why the that. easy mode in etrinasi 4 is so nice yeah if you get your butt kicked then you just find yourself back in town Hmm. Unless you turn off easy mode, mm-hmm. and then you will have the sensation, oh, I just spent four hours in that dungeon, and something blindsided me. That stupid foe. No. So I'm stuck on a boss in that one. You, you know, what's really interesting is I'm playing, uh, I've mentioned this before, I'm still working through Shimigami Tensei's Strange Journey, which is also a dungeon crawling type of thing. And Strange Journey. Games. What's that? These are the same game engines, the Trinity games. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting to know. What's really, what's really interesting, though, in Shimigami Tensei, Accorda, it's got auto map, right? The map just draws itself. In Etrianasi, you're taking your stylus down, you draw. There's just something about drawing your own map. I mean, straight, you know, Shimigami Tensei, it is kind of cool. It draws itself. I don't have to worry about it. It's accurate. But there's just something about drawing your own map on the bottom screen, making it your own, putting little notes down. Yeah. And also, at least, you know, I have to say, both games are much better than Shimigami Tensei If, which is rather infamous for having. Rooms where you can't see the walls, you can't see your direction, and everything is a tile is a spinner, which changes which direction you're facing. And there's warps. Whoa, whoa, whoa. what game is that? If. Shin Megami Tensei If. If? It was on Super Famicom, and I think it got a port to PS1. I could be wrong there. And it did not come out in English. Legally. I I, I have a whole bunch of Shin Megami Tensei games I just haven't got to yet, so I was wondering if that was one of my backlog, I was going to go and break the disc now and save myself the trouble, because (laughs) because (laughs) you just described invisible rooms with spinners. Screw that crap. At the rate... 
at the rate Atlas is going, I would not be surprised if we see more Shin Megami Tensei remakes. Or hell, go back to the original Megami Tensei games, which, aside from a remake for the Super Famicom, have been ignored. Yeah, considering how much they're referenced, you'd think they'd you know re-release them or port them or something. But we've seen that Atlas is going on the remake bandwagon for the SMT series, so I think eventually it will reach the point where it has run out of things to remake without going further back. Yeah. Like the Majin Tensei games. Those would be interesting to see. Hmm. That series is just so big once you dig Ooh. into all the stuff that never came out of Japan in, in particular. Yeah, it's, you know, there's like Persona 3 spin-off cell phone games which take place during the summer trip stuff. There's tons. <laughs> If we include cell phone games, too, then it seems even worse. Yeah. The great thing about them is you can't play them on a cell phone outside of Japan, so you're exempt from considering them. <laughs> hmm. So, um, uh, so that's cool. Etrinose, and then uh, Diskea, or I'm sorry, D2. Diskea D2. Uh, boy, that's still kind of confusing the more I think about it, because there is a Diskea 2, but this is Diskea D2, the continuation... Yes, it's like the scale one two, like using the Final Fantasy naming scheme. It's you know a sequel to the first game, but that's not two. It, it makes no sense. Now I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a, you know I'm a Disgaea fan. Played the first one, loved the story. Played the second one was okay. Third one, loved the story. Um, and uh, but going back to the first story, which I think is uh, uh, many people think is the best uh, best one. It has the most endearing characters or whatever have you. Um, I still you know remember all of them, which is saying something because we all know how quickly I forget characters and names and all that other fun stuff. Um, uh, but who can forget Etna and the, and the Prinnies and Flan the Angel and I still remember the name of the of the main an Angel Archangel in that game. Which oh, is, the Archangel! You know, I don't normally remember. I don't normally remember names of characters who are you know not the main cast like that. Just like it's a really memorable game. Yeah, yeah, it's very memorable, very fun story. I played through that. I got frustrated at one point with the gameplay, but I usually would stop a game right there, but I got through it just because I wanted to see what was going to happen to him next. It was just so hilarious. Uh, just absolutely a fun little game. So D2, I'm, uh, I got that one on, uh, that one I'm also get pre-ordered. That would probably drop a price, but... Uh, I see that our own Michael Apps has put up a review yeah, for that No, game. he has, and um, he, uh, he was going to give it a 4 out of 5, and then saw they had no faces and took it down to a 1 out of 5, which I agree. You know, you can hardly see their lips or their noses looking at the screenshots i i think you might need help for this one if you're having these hallucinations <laughs> okay um yeah we, we, we better work on this phil if you're if you go into work tomorrow and you see that the people with whom you interact do not have faces i would say that since it is not possible for a standard human to survive without a face you may be having a hallucination of a higher order. <laughs> uh, let's uh, just kind of... Have you been eating any mushrooms lately, Phil? Well, yeah, because Mario told me that eating the green mushrooms is really cool. It gives me an extra life. The green ones? Yeah, the green ones give you an extra life. The red ones make you big. Green, I thought the green ones... No, I'm th- what, what were the color the blue... in the lost levels of the, the ones that... I think the blue purple. ones are purple. Yeah, they're like blue-purple. Yeah. yeah. Those kill you. You don't want to touch those. But green is totally... The lost levels that I tried and said, you know what... I like all the other Mario's better, so why am I fiddling with well, this? Well, that was – it's a funny story. When I first got my Super Nintendo, I got my first job. I sent us some cash. I finally got my first Super Nintendo. Okay, I got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at the time with it because I just wanted to play some game, and it was on sale. Turtles in Time. Turtles that in game time. rocks. It rocks. It was a great purchase. Um, but uh, it, it had a coupon inside of the of the system, uh, the box that held the system, for a free copy of Super Mario All-Stars. 
So yeah, I, I I filled it out. This is back in days before internet. We actually had to like write a check for postage and include it in the envelope and just hope four to six weeks later you got your game. And uh, sure enough, I did. And I love replaying the new uh, the I'm sorry the classics with the upped graphics. But yes, it had the the lost levels, the real Super Mario two. And I'm like, oh, what's this? What the fuck? Yeah, and it, it just that just that's that's how that game works. You boot it up and you're like, I so got what the. F-? Yeah, this looks like Super Mario One. How hard can they? What the? Yeah, it just, it just, and that happens over and over again. And you know, you you realize, if, if, yeah, it's like the game, which is you know. And then you go back to Mario Two and Mario Three and refl- the- Oh, you go back to Mario Two especially, and, and you just breeze through it. I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. I can go back to Two now and play it with one eye closed. One gives me a, a little problems towards the end sometimes because it's, I'm a little rusty. Um, three is pretty much okay, but man, Lost Levels, oh yeah. If you want your own personal episode of the Angry Video Game Nerd in your house without actually <laughs> watching it on YouTube, get your spouse or significant other, sit them down and put that cartridge in Super Nintendo and tell them to play Lost Levels and just, just watch the fun begin. <laughs> Um, it's great. I've heard and people then you will, and then you too will re- understand why Nintendo did that. I think Nintendo was right to withhold that and give us a doctored game for Super Mario Two because it was in fact more enjoyable. I I actually yeah. I was one of few people I I enjoyed it. I I had fun with two. I liked the little ending on it too. And I I played a few times. And I did one time I played it through. You know how you know at the end it gives you the count of how many times you played each character through a stage. So one time I played Mario five. There's 20 stages. I played Mario five, Luigi five. I played each one of them five times just so I could see at the end. I didn't know this was going to happen. I just did it for kicks and giggles. And normally it would say congratulations. You know you're the winner. Whatever you know Peach or Luigi or whoever you played the most, but it showed all yeah. four in rotation because I use them all equally. Go me. So yeah, that was that was my big payoff. But I mean, I that, that thought that game was cute and fun. Anywho, uh, but uh, back to Disgaea. And just to, to recap, um, Mr. Uh, App's review on here. He's at the bottom. He says the developers of Disgaea D2: A Brighter Darkness could have easily have made a cheap nostalgic cash in, but luckily this isn't the result. The story is a bit of a disappointment. Uh, the rest of the game is a joy to play. So um, somehow eliciting a feeling of nostalgia while adding new features to the Disgaea formula, it manages to be the most accessible entry in the series making even the advanced features of the series much easier to partake so go and check out he says even to scale fans who didn't enjoy the original game will find plenty to like here i will say like i said i got i did get a little frustrated with the first one uh more than i did you know i didn't really run into that with uh disgaea 3 but uh, but check it out. Definitely looks pretty cool. Hopefully the story isn't too disappointing. I'm kind of looking forward at least to the character interactions, if nothing else. Um, anywho, so that's kind of cool. And uh, there's a an- oh, and then Pokemon XY, which uh, not not an old, g- but you know what? These Pokemon games really don't evolve a whole lot. I'm just diving in with XY because updated squeals makes all the difference, and. Uh, and and better animation. I mean, these things have been. I, I played uh, what was it? Black Pokemon Black on the on the DS, which came out a couple of years ago. And I'm like, damn, this is exactly like the first game. I, other than the fact I've got like you know, three on three battles or whatever have you, it still moves slow as sin. So I'm excited. I think you're, gonna ra- ra- you're risking the wrath of some of your fellow uh, RP gamers staff by these comments. Uh, just to warn oh, okay. I'm sorry, uh, guys. You can write those comments and concerns to askwheels at rpgamer.com. Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> Uh, 
but but with that being said, I mean, I love the idea. I mean, I did play the original quite. I didn't beat it, but I went pretty far into the original back in the day. It's just every time I played like one of the newer ones, it felt so similar. And and the methodical pacing doesn't really help matters out. I mean, the battles just move a little too slow. But um, but now uh, but that's one thing they also said in X Y things move uh, a lot faster. So between that, the updated visuals finally we find. I, I don't know why they haven't brought this to a, a major console, but at least we're getting like three D type you know graphics on this new one and um and then of course the updated pika oh my gosh i was so tired of that the the, the game boy sound (laughs) like really it's a ds it can do better than this and it's like (laughs) uh anywho so i'm looking forward i'm excited to that so we got three games while they're not nostalgic they they clear clearly pay off uh, play off of those older um tropes so with that being said it is time to do our round table and mr nathan i understand you have a story to share with us Oh yes, the 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 crazy fable story from I wish I could have told on the last backtrack. So yeah, in Fable Two, is it I believe? There's a side quest where a ghost asks, asks you to seduce his living the in fiance, and then break up with her just to ruin her heart. Is that the right game for that side quest? Do you guys remember this? Okay, Fable Two is the one where you get a wife and you get kids from her. Uh, Fable Three is the one with John Cleese as the butler, and you become yeah, king. And t- Fable One, Fable One is the one with the swamp town. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, just so probably to, it's probably Fable Two. Yeah, it's Fable Two. I'm pretty sure now. It's just that you know. Just like it's the ultimate testament how for how ridiculous the romance system this game is. Started this quest, ran into that woman once, once, never directly interacted with her. Decided you know don't like this quest, went it off to totally unrelated things for hours of gameplay, until one day it's like I've got a lot of money, I'm gonna buy a fancy suit. So wear the fancy suit, walk through town. And so the woman rushes out of nowhere and says, like, oh, you have won my heart. Let's get married right now. It's like, yeah, what that the sounds heck like Fable 2. What the heck do I do with this? Why is this <laughs> coming out of me? Like, wait, I remember. I've got this per- perfectly prepared letter, which is a letter created by the ghost just to ruin her heart. You hand it over. It's like, you know, I don't want this. I don't want to marry you. So here, have, have this perfectly pre-prepared rejection letter. I totally forgot where I got it. She's like, reads it. Oh no, you're just trying to manipulate my heart. And then she goes off and kills herself. And then you see them bickering in the end. When <laughs> you get evil points, it's like you know, even on a go through, it's entirely trying to be, be a perfect paragon of virtue. I'm okay this with this woman you don't care about or actively dislike. Says, "Please, I love you. Let's get married." And you don't want to, so she goes and kills herself. <laughs> yes, and all she. She only loves you because you're wearing a fancy suit. That's it. <laughs> That's Fable 2. Well, Nathan, that is so true to life. All you have to do is put on a fancy suit and walk down the street, and women will fall over themselves for you. Or maybe I'm thinking of Bizarro World. I don't know. <laughs> Phil? Phil? Do you have a fancy suit? Can you try this? Mm-hmm. Were you wearing a fancy suit when you proposed to Shirley? Yeah, no, I can't really pull that off. I was wearing jeans and a t-shirt. It's Southern style, you know. Have I told you about my Southern showers? Okay, so anyways, Southern style. <laughs> southern style is a, means, is a means of cooking, isn't it? I guess you could look at it that way. I choose to live it this way. <laughs> oh, boy. Anywho. I think I stepped in, so- I I stepped in something. <laughs> anywho, anywho, anywho. So that was funny. 
All right, so what else do you want to talk about, Nate? What you playing? What you doing? What you working on? Um, I think, you know, this is probably going to date when we record this backtrack, but just what happened today is, you know, as a Mega Man fan, I am ecstatic. Oh, Honestly, yeah. Giant big shout-out to every last one of you who's listening to this, who contributed to the... Mighty, Mighty number nine. nine. Mighty Star. number nine. Yeah, I mean it's not because you know, like as a person who you know, the Mega Man games were like some of the very first games I ever played, with the games that made me fall in love with video gaming as a whole. Like, thank you for making that possible. Thank you to everyone. It means well, a lot. It sure seems like Capcom has given up on it, and that's astonishing. How many Mega Man games were there? A lot. There's like, like one or two a year for decades. There's a I lot. I think that's underestimating it. There were there were years in which three or four Mega Man games would come out. Yeah. Okay, there's original Mega Man, there's Mega Man X, there's Mega Man Zero. Mega Man Zero, Mega Man ZX. Battle Network. Battle Network. Um, There's Mega Man Soccer. (laughs) Mega Man Soccer, which is one... There was all the Mega Mans on Game Boy. (laughs) On Game Boy Mega Mans. There's the PC Mega Mans no one wishes to speak of. There's Mega Man Battle and Chase. There's the... Command Mission. Command Mission. There's the fighting games, arcade fighting games. There's a lot of Mega Man. Uh, what is what is it? Um, uh, the ones on DS, the the RPGs on DS. Star Force. Thank you. Yeah, I played more than my fair share of all, all of these, by the way. And if I, we're counting stuff in which Mega Man just shows up, like Marvel versus Capcom, then there's even more Mega Man out there. Mm-hmm. And you know there hasn't been a Mega Man game in years. I'm so angry with Capcom over this. There are no words. Yeah, it's like right, me being well, a fanboy right there. Well, I think your rage against Capcom also has another source, and that's a certain series with a new entry with a six at the end of it that doesn't belong. Let, I let's not think about that one, please. <laughs> uh, sure. Oh, and also, you know, I'm kind of still angry about Lost Planet three. That's a totally different issue. Not really related to RPGs. About what? Lost Planet three. I loved Lost Planet two, uh-huh. and they made Lost Planet three something totally different. But I was talking to Western developers, and no one was interested in that game at all. Yeah, kind of kind of saw that in the watching the video reviews and stuff and yeah i was kind of with you on taking a little heavy side there yes okay i know this is a controversial opinion but lost planet 2 was my favorite shooter of this entire generation and we did not get a proper sequel to it and if I'm, and by sure by sure do you mean first person uh th- first third whichever okay uh I, I, I just have to separate those from you know the standard spaceship shooters that we used to get once upon a time okay. i still get it if you go on xbox live or something um and and if you don't agree with Nathan and his opinion, don't forget askwheels at rpgamer.com. Just saying, don't post on our forum or or put give him a message at Twitter. Ask, Ask wheels Twitter. at Twitter. Oh yeah, that's even better. Say hey, Nathan's wrong. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as a person who's been playing a lot of third person shooters lately, um, so anything else you want to share, Nathan? No, that's most of it. Just don't want to distract from, you know, $4 million. Good job, Inafune. Good job, Intercreates. That's all. I think it's just sad, the fact that, oh, what was it? Grand Theft Auto V came out, and what was its budget? $270 million. Do you really need that much money to make a memorable game? No, you don't. I'm sure Grand Theft Auto V is fun, even though my only experience with the series was playing about 20 minutes of Vice City once, fiddling with the radio, and then getting the army to come out and kill me. (laughs) But would it have been just as fun if the budget was, I don't know, a tenth of that or less? I'm asking an unanswerable question, but I think it needs to be put out there. Anyway. Hmm. So what about you, Mr. Mickey? 
Well, as far as games go, I recently played this thing called X-Men Legends, which we will be talking about on the backtrack in just a little while. So I won't say much about it right now. And I also played this thing that I just finished today called Shining Wind. Shining Wind, I will also have more to say in the near future because I will fit it into a, into a theme, but it is to Shining Tears as Shining Force EXA was to Shining Force Neo, except it does not regurgitate nearly as much content as EXA did. And naturally, it did not come out over here, so I had to go through the hassle of making it work, of making a Japanese import work on my PS2, which I did. And what do you know? It's actually a pretty good game. I'm I'm honestly astonished. I go I go through all these shining action RPGs. Most of them are crap, and finally I come across one that's that's pretty decent. And what are the odds? Sega didn't bring it over the ocean. Isn't, doesn't that just figure? <laughs> yeah, far too often. Uh, yeah, I I will give it a quick nod of disapproval for go, doing what Shining Tears did by having a final boss that's really irritating, but then I remembered, hey, I can do some forging on my armor and stuff, which is more annoying than it should be because you have to take off things before you can forge them, but at least this game, unlike Tears, does not have 20-second load times all the time, and yeah, I was able to take the thing. It took a little while. I had to play smart, but I killed it. I got the ending. I did it, and it has memorable missions, there are several battles where cannonballs rain down every now and again because once you get through that field, you have to go take on a gigantic tank that's raining cannonball fire down. And there are missions where you have allies on the field with you, which means more if I say that this is an action RPG. And they don't do much except get in your way, but it's interesting. It's, yeah, it's an inventive game, and had it come out over here, it would have a fan base because it is much better than Shining Tears. And... I could describe all 15 Alfred Hitchcock movies that I watched recently, all of which were new to me, but I'll, I'll mention a few other things instead, like Door-to-Door Maniac, which is a movie starring Johnny Cash, made in the period when he was high pretty much all the time, so I don't think he would have remembered any of this if you had asked him about it before he died. And it's only memorable because Johnny Cash is in there and he sings a few times, and it almost implies rape of someone. It's kind of a weird, nasty little movie. And I saw the Omega Man. Ooh, Omega. Charlton Heston was the Omega Man film. Ooh, Omega. Someone even asks him, are you God? And he could have said, no, but I did play Moses. But he didn't say that. (laughs) And it's it's a kick and a half because, boy, golly, howdy, does it feel very 70s, but it's it's such an interesting movie. If you have, if you saw I Am Legend, this might seem kind of familiar because it's based on the same source material, except instead of zombies, uh, the plague turned people into albinos who cannot ta- take the light and dress like Franciscan monks and want to kill everybody who is not an albino with them. <laughs> so it's kind of weird that way, but it's fun. It's entertaining. And one more. <sighs> Anybody remember AI, Artificial Intelligence? That movie. I'm Do you remember it, Phil? It? Mm, can't. Oh gosh, AI. Mm, yeah, actually, I do. Well, you're you're at least aware of it, Nathan. It. Yeah. Creepy movie. Yeah, in spots it was. It tosses out about fifteen hundred ideas, and so of course it can't explore too many of them in depth. And it throws about four different endings at you before finally picking one. <laughs> 
and it's more interesting to talk about than to actually watch. But it's like nothing else you'll ever see or will ever see because Steven Spielberg is not going to make a project of another director that had been shepherded for 20 years ever again. Certainly not <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. And if you know anything about Stanley Kubrick and Steven Spielberg, you would agree their visions are not similar. That's pretty easy to say. Well, what was Steven Spielberg making when Kubrick was making A Clockwork Orange? He was making Duel, and then he went on to make Sugarland Express and Jaws, none of which are exactly the um, the barrel of laughs that A Clockwork Orange is. <laughs> so yeah, AI, I can't even really say I recommend it, but boy, is there so much to talk about with it. And I guess it's a reminder that Haley Joel Osment really was a pretty good actor until he went down the standard child actor path, and now I guess you can find him giving hand jobs for whatever drugs you can give him on the streets of L.A. <laughs> That's so bad. Am I inaccurate, Phil? Hi. He's become tabloid fodder since, and I don't wish it on him, but I can't deny it either. Hmm. Sad, really. Hmm. Okay, uh, yeah, I'll say I'm dead now. Okay. Um, as for me, um, so I, I went on a business trip last week and I always have this tendency to grab my DS or my PSP and grab like, uh, five more games than what I need, which is six. Um, because really I'll get one game in there and that's pretty much what I'll play. But, um, um, I grabbed a whole handful of games, including a couple for the GBA slot. And of course I've been working my way through Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey. So I played some more of that, but when I got bored, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try one of these other games that I brought with me. Now I did a, you know, I did a couple of the action games for a while until my hand got tired of drawing stylus crap on my DS. And then I said, Ooh, let me, you know what? There's just, I got Final Fantasy V Advance. It's a Final Fantasy I, I haven't played. I call myself a Final Fantasy fan and there's Final Fantasies I never beat and five is right there on the list so stuck five you never beat five no i i played it for like best one i played it for a couple of hours uh before but didn't get too far into it uh, maybe got like the first set that, of jobs that just that one is just suited so well to the handheld format oh it is yeah. it is so much fun now so i'm like totally addicted i i totally got, yeah, like, i'm like 16 hours in from one business trip <laughs> i mean that's definitely good i support anyone who wants to play fossey five i actually Total admission, Plus, I actually played through Fantasy V twice this year. Wow. Good job, man. Yeah. Well, Dev, of, like, course, of course, if you're playing it on the Game Boy Advance, you're playing the best version. Yeah. Because yeah. the Super Nintendo one is, you have to resort to um, nefarious means of which we shall not speak to play that in- intelligibly. And the PS1 version is, uh, let's see. It's the PS1 version. This did not turn out well. Yeah. Hey, Especially hey, with that how, much, how much do you like load times for your Super Nintendo games? I don't. <laughs> or how do you like gratuitous pirate accents? Yarr, I be not a typical pirate, but I speak like one anyway. Yarr. Yeah, because um, that, that, that's totally how Ferris would talk. Yeah. Oi. Uh, so, so now that you've totally got me off track, um, yeah, the you know I I will say that the story is not Final Fantasy six deep or anything like that, but I am enjoying the class system and leveling up my classes, and uh, my my red mage is on his very long journey to get dual casting. I think he's very long. He's like painfully long. He's like at twenty eighty twenty eight job points out of nine hundred ninety nine, so he's almost there. 
So it is one of those things. It is one of those cool little games where you can, yeah, I can pull it out, uh, land my ship in a newbie area or something, and just kill you know things real fast for some job, po- some quick job points, play for like ten minutes, and at least be satisfied that I got you know twenty more job points I didn't have before. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, just was, what's that? I was thinking it's t- just filled to the rim with interesting little tricks and twists you can do in various unusual combinations of abilities and little items that are surprisingly useful and surprisingly efficient ways of grinding that you wouldn't think of. Yeah, you can combine these I, jobs. Great game for that stuff. Yeah, you can totally uh, you can totally combine these jobs and certain items and things like that to really create some um, some very powerful characters. Um, which, if you want to tackle the optional content after you beat the game or whatever, you probably need that uh, kind of level of thinking. There are there are entire guides. Uh, job guides. I will say it is it's kind of one of my little issues with some of the other games that are like Etri- the original Etrian Odyssey or 2 or whatever have you where you're not going to get a lot of explanation up front about how these different things can interact really well together or anything like that but if you take two seconds to go look at a game fact and just download a job guide um, you can get all the explanation you need there and then some as much or a little as you need so you can either strategize or if you're just totally brain dead there's strategy guides you know on game facts that will uh, tell you exactly how to build the most powerful characters if you don't want to figure out for yourself i personally like to figure stuff out for myself but i did use the game fact to explain to me the fact the difference between like passive and active abilities and how i didn't realize because i don't i don't know maybe if it was explained in the game i missed it or instruction book i may have it somewhere but i didn't realize that the freelancer the job class you start off with if you've mastered any job then the freelancer has those passive abilities yeah, that's a really cool, but it's actually explained really late in the game. Oh, it's later it's in the purpose. game. Oh, okay. Okay, that's cool. No, that, that's yeah. interesting. But it, it kind of gives me a reason because on some of those jobs, when I was reading like, oh, the top thing for this job is it's something silly, like equip a knife. I'm like, okay, I don't need that. But now when you realize, oh, maybe I want to cap out that job because I want to use those passive abilities as a freelancer. Now I've got a reason to, to grind it up. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, well, actually, just to warn you, the equip abilities aren't necessary since the freelancer can already equip every equipment and the equip- don't pass over the other class acts like that. So. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not. Yeah, it's the other possibilities you want. Yeah, not the stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of figured that part out. I, I didn't like. I'm not taking jobs, any jobs, just to get their equip ability. Um, I did like the quick, the fact that the monk quickly gets barehanded. Uh, so I can, you know, then, I, then if I'm leveling up black mage, I can put him on the front line with barehanded. He still kicks ass. Um, so yep. that's that's a lot of fun. And then later on, I got ranger. And I started trading them in bows. Because then, now I can do that kind of kick-assery from the back lines, but that takes longer to get into. Um, yeah, and the bow is also great because it improves your speed, which is great for a lot of classes. Oh, okay, so cool, cool. So, uh, I mean, just a lot of different things. I, I definitely recommend at least reading um, an FAQ to uh, figure out what some of those abilities do and stuff like that. Uh, and, and then, you know, yeah, if you want to get into the deeper stretch guides, you can, but at least read the guides that explain to you what the what the jobs do and how the mechanics work so you can strategize. This is definitely a game, especially if you want to do the optional in content, I think it's a game that benefits from knowing right from the get-go, you know, what's going to be available to you eventually at the table yeah. so you can plan ahead. Because, yeah, damn, so. it takes a long time to earn job points. Yeah, it's like, you're not going to get anywhere near enough to get all the jobs in the game. Not even not remotely e- yeah. close. Not even, yeah, you could... Well, I, I did it, mostly because I just stayed around and killed early enemies because they give you pretty much the same job points as later enemies. That, this is true. Yeah. And you yeah. don't get serious job points until you, the last dungeon. <laughs> yeah, like the last rooms of the last dungeon, in fact. They're the only place you get it's a huge spike. I did a, When I did my first go-through, I did a lot of grinding off of tonberries, of all things, in order to get more job points, but that Ouch. took forever. 
Yeah, those things, those will not make you happy. Unless you have Odin kill them for you, which is surprisingly easy. There's that. Hmm. Um, so yeah, very, very much uh, enjoying that. I'm just hoping that on my first run through, uh, with a little bit of time put into grinding, of course, I'm hoping that I can, without getting too deep into strategic FAQs, um, I'm hoping I can figure out my own way of at least beating the game on, you know, just the boss and stuff on the first run. So, well, I'm always here to offer help. If you I know I'll be, I'll be, I'll be reaching out, Nathan, help me. <laughs> and if I don't like his advice, of course, I will complain to ask wheels. <laughs> just saying I'm totally okay with that I won't actually I won't actually complain to Nathan I'll complain to Wheels because that's what we do and here. he will not mind because he loves complaints yeah yeah so that's cool um so I've been playing that I mentioned before I played uh I played so I had beaten Tomb Raider and so I'm kind of playing through and I'm going back and playing Uncharted because I got the a friend told me to get The Last of Us kind of convinced me to do it so I got it but then I kind of read the reviews after the fact and, and like you said it's an excellent game but a lot of them were like this is the natural progression of Uncharted I'm like oh well let me go back and play Uncharted because it's like the Edgerian Odyssey thing I don't want to play like the best one that's you know it's not really the same series but it's spiritual this you know similar game by this same company obviously so naughty dog so i'm like let me go back and play uncharted one now and oh my gosh see it's happened nathan it's happened i played a more advanced game and now i'm playing as you know the 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 older game that kind of inspired and yeah when you go from tomb raider to uncharted one it sucks it sucks i kept saying <laughs> is this game over yet is this game over yet story's kind of man cliche yeah the the the, the gameplay yeah, I miss Tomb Tomb Raider. Yeah, it's very you know for for all the complaints Final Fantasy thirteen got about being being um linear, super linear. Holy cow, Uncharted! It's all corridors. I, it, yeah, I I played the un, one Uncharted demo. It's like the platforming is super linear. Oh, like, and the platforming. Like, why- why even maybe put in platforming if it's that linear? It's it's linear and yeah, there's platforming. It's got to be done. Uh, you know, they're looking for you to do a certain thing, and I'll get frustrated because I know the game expects me to do something, but I'm not doing it right, so I die. So it's just trial and error. Like you might be swinging off a rope trying to catch a ledge, but that ledge is far away enough to where you have to hit that jump just right. But it's not just a matter of timing. I found out on this one rope, I needed to be all the way at the bottom. But if you hold down for just too long, you're gonna actually. Nathan, uh, that Nathan, Nathan Drake, in his infinite wisdom, will just let go of the rope when you press down too far because that's the logical thing all adventurers do, and he will plummet to his death. So you've got to, the game is expecting you to get down so far. I put Uncharted 2, and they start off with a big action sequence. It's it's definitely more cinema, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, Mike? Cinematography or something? Cinematic. Thank you. It's more cinematic than the than the first one, obviously. They, they've made some improvements, but the first, uh, the first one, you're on a train that's falling over a cliff, and you're trying to climb your way up and again the game is expecting me to make these jumps and because of the camera angle and because now you know in tomb raider and in uncharted one all the ledges you're supposed to jump on are kind of highlighted it's kind of like those um curbs with red paint you know you've got like white paint on but on uncharted 2 on the the, the train there are certain places to jump that aren't really highlighted and so i'm not sure if i've got nathan pointing at the right angle and i'm hitting the jump button next thing you know oh i fell to the pit now i've got to do the last three and a half minutes over again this would happen like five times before i finally get that one jump right and then once i figured out that jump 
two more jumps later would be another one that was difficult to figure out through trial and error. It's not very intuitive, and it's and to be quite frank, it can be a little frustrating at times. But you know, you suck it up and deal with it, so you can get on with the rest of the story. Um, so far, two is though is of course better than uh, I'm enjoying that a little bit better than one. But I was done I, when one was done. I'm done. <laughs> it's like okay, that one's not getting replayed. We'll just put that in the archive. Got it out of my system. Going to play two, and then hopefully play um, three. It's supposed to be the best. So uh, and then I'll get to the Last of Us and at least say I played all those naughty dog deals. Um. And uh, and I'm uh, I just popped back in Shadow Hearts from the New World, Mr. Minky. You might remember how it scarred me with the fact that it instant killed me with that one random battle that just pissed me off because it just I was in the dungeon for like 30 minutes, random battle killed me, and and I just lost 30 minutes of progress, and I didn't even get to do anything. I I sat there with the controller in my hand, did not get a turn, died, and you remember that story. So I've this is sounding familiar, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I heard this one. Yeah, he's heard this one. Nathan remember. So I've I'm being brave because now that I've played Uncharted, I realize all the games on the PlayStation do this. All of them have cheaty deaths that just you know, Uncharted it's it's a less of a penalty because the last save point's rarely more than five minutes behind. But because you'll miss that jump four or five times before you figure it out. And there's another one right after it you might not figure out. Those two to three minutes add up to almost the 30 minutes I lost in Shadow Hearts. So I kind of gotten over myself. I'm going to pop it back in and give it another... Uh, I did one one more attempt through that dungeon. It's a long-ass dungeon. So I went back and saved and called it a night because it's getting late. So I'm going to try to get through Shadow Hearts. I need to say I've beaten the Shadow Hearts trilogy. So I'm kind of patting myself on the back because I'm beating old games, which is what I'm supposed to be. So I'm excited. Um... Yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's all I can think of. I think that's all I can think of. Hmm. Yep. Good day. Good day to be a good good time to be a, an old fashioned RP gamer. I'm very excited about some of these games that are coming out and playing games. So, all right. Well, with that all being said, we know everybody who's listened to the show before knows that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. So, write your questions and comments on our forums. Hopefully, we'll have more than two talking about Pokemon, which wasn't the game of the show. Um, or email JC Servant at rpgamer.com, which I think that's still working for the moment. Um, and if it doesn't work, just complain to Ask Wheels. Um, help shape our, our future shows. Don't forget to follow us on twitter.com forward slash rpgamer. Uh, you can hit me up at twitter.com forward slash JC Servant and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer, facebook.com slash JC Servant as well. Um, as always, you can listen to our growing library of RPG backtracks and hear about your favorite RPGs from the past. From our website, over 100 episodes archived for your listening pleasure. You can also listen to our awesome sister show, The RPG Cast, which is, wow, I think 260, 270, something like that. That's all at rpgamer.com. Mr. Nathan, thank you so much for being on the show. We always appreciate it when you're on here sharing your expertise with us. I'm always happy to be here. It's a ton of fun. Mr. Minky, of course, puts this together, and without him, this would not happen. Thank you, Mr. Minky. I do what I can. And thank you guys. If you've made it this far, you've listened to us, you put up with us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Mr. Minky, is there anything you would like to say before we all go to sleep? I think we've covered it pretty well in the main body, actually. <laughs> all right. Everybody have a good night. Good night.